Hello, hello there. Welcome to Midnight MMA. I'm your host, Manny G. We're live midnight here, Eastern Time, the 23rd of January, 2023. Got a nice show for you guys lined up tonight. Of course, some special guests, some fighters you might recognize. One of them is a winner from the PFL this past fall. So a newly crowned champion in the PFL and millionaire. So we'll be happy to have that fighter coming through. We'll be joined by a recent Dana White Contender Series winner who's got a fight scheduled coming up in March, I believe. So we'll talk to him about that. Top stories in mixed martial arts. We'll go over some Ninganu stuff. And uh, obviously, we're going to talk about UFC 283, recapping the results. For our subscribers who subscribe to our newsletter, we're going to go over in detail our bet tip sheet, how we did. Uh, summary, we finished in the negative, so that's not good. But there were some high points and some things we could learn from. We tried over to finish too far in the red, so we ended up, you know, kind of in that category. We'll go over that in detail. What else do we have here on tap for you guys today? Um, we're going to be discussing the week ahead, what's coming up. So we've got Bellator 290 coming up soon, which is going to be uh, Ryan Bader defending his title. Uh, we've also got UFC 284 coming up, not too soon, not too long from now. March is going to be a busy month. A few fighters have booked their fights. So, you know, um, we've got Edwards already now booked to fight uh, Usman. We've got Shevchenko now booked to fight coming up. So the UFC is getting the schedule in order um, to go ahead and get us ready for the new year. We had a few funny moments this weekend. One of them I wanted to talk about right away was, did anyone see Chris Cyborg online sort of trolling, I think trolling the UFC? She was basically suggesting like, hey, where are the where are the people in the, in the stands? Why are there so many empty seats? And I guess if you look closely at the background there at uh, UFC 283, it did appear for, for whatever reason, I don't know some empty seats, but I guess she was insinuating, hey, if I was on the card, you know, I'm Brazilian, but she's not in the UFC. <laughs> Another thing that really caught my eye this weekend was Simone Oliver. My Lord, we did a breakdown on him, which is probably similar to most people's breakdown, where he has a propensity to do too much spinning stuff. And um, let's just say this guy attempted Nothing shy of like 20 spinning back fists in the first round. It's hard to watch. I know between rounds, his his corner tried to give him some advice. But ultimately, my mans, you know, you are um, attempting spinning maneuvers <laughs> 20 around. Uh, yeah, it was it was hard to watch. Someone Oliver dropped the fight, unfortunately, did not win. And uh, we had him pick to win. So that wasn't so great for us. <laughs> In a few moments, we're going to be joined by our first guest. So I don't want to get too far into discussing some of our uh, lead stories, but I do want to jump in. Let's talk about UFC 283. Let's let's recap the results, and we'll go from the top, work our way back down. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that our first ever interview here on this show was with Jamal Hill. We interviewed Jamal Hill back about nine months ago. That interview is up on our channel. <laughs> you can check it out. And uh, I'll tell you what, looking back at the interview to now, it seems like just yesterday, but he has come so far 
in a short period of time. And now, obviously, he's a champion. So if you want to see the interview with Jamal, we talk about a lot of things outside of mixed martial arts and how we ended up crossing paths. And he gives his opinion on Colby Covington and just some good stuff. The guy's deserving. He's champion. So let's start with that main event. In the main event, we had picked Jamal Hill to win. We didn't back that up with a straight pick on the money line to bet. But we liked him to win the fight. The one bet that was you know, really kind of hurt us was that we had that fight going under four and a half rounds. I believe that was lined somewhere around minus 450 range. It was chalky. We thought it was a safe parlay piece. We felt like at some point, either the old man gets a submission, right? Maybe Jamal fatigues or Jamal busts him up, gets him out of there with a TKO. <laughs> well, that did not happen. Yeah, that was lined at minus 420 at one point, closed at minus 480. Didn't go well. We end up not hitting that. We had that in a few parlays. So that crushed us right there in the main event. And if you watch the fight, or if you didn't watch the fight, just to recap real quickly, Glover was busted up. Round four, I believe, was the round where most of the commentators were like, hey, it, it could be time to, you know, call this one a day. He was had some pretty bad cuts. He uh, appeared to be like a walking dead man at points on his feet. But the ref let it go, and, you know, he's a former champion. He deserves to go out on his shield, all that kind of stuff and whatever else. But uh, he goes the full distance, and Jamal Hill's cardio checks out. A lot of people weren't sure about that. You know, five rounds hasn't been five rounds before. Um, so that checked out. And then the old man, his cardio checked out, and then he was durable enough. So tough spot there for the Brazilian. He retires. I'm not sure if you guys know, but he actually puts down the gloves after the fight, mentions he's going to be training Alex Pereira now and focusing on that. Appreciates all the love. And I do want to mention something. Do you recall the, 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 I would say drama, but do you recall like sort of the narrative a few months ago when he wasn't offered the fight that Jan Blachowicz got? The narrative was, hey, what's going on with the champion? Why isn't he getting a chance here? You know, he's the kind of guy where he's been a veteran. He, he had the belt. He deserves a rematch. You know, give him the extra time he needs to prepare, right? That was the narrative. And I thought to myself, the UFC's kind of being, for lack of better words, they're just kind of being, you know, not, not, not kind about it, right? <laughs> not respectful. What ends up happening is he now does one more fight and retires. So now looking back at this, the UFC kind of, maybe knew or maybe had a heads up listen this guy isn't he's long in the tooth he's not gonna be fighting much longer like we can give him a fight out of respect or whatever but ultimately you know what are we doing here you know old man's about to retire so anyway he retires off to the sunset for jamal hill father son brother grand rap is michigan native uh man this kid has pulled something special off people told him you can't make it out of small gym you're in you know you need to move to you know deeper waters you uh uh your, your cardio your physique right he always carries his little little pouch there on his belly he's not ripped a lot of things about him people just you know questioning about this young man heck we did we did a breakdown on him and that's how we first <laughs> met him anyway um Jamal Hill pulls it off, looks wonderful, cries after the fight. If you bet on him, there was nice odds. If you bet on the distance like we did, it was it was a pain in the ass to watch it happen, but it went the full distance. Let's move on down. If you're here to comment, drop some comments in the comment section. I'll be happy to get them up here on the screen, and I'll talk to you. If you have any questions, concerns, whatever, let me know. If you're listening on the podcast, I'll do the best I can to read those questions so you're not just in the dark here if you're not watching on YouTube. A man hype three MMA's come through and says, How's it going, man? 
It is going well, my friend. I like your photo, by the way, your little your icon there. It's pretty badass. Thank you for joining the show, Hype3MMA. Stay with us. We'll have uh, some guests coming through, some people you might recognize. What time zone are you guys in? What time zone are, are you located in? Because we're here Eastern time, so right up to midnight. All right, so from a betting perspective, taking a look there at that main event, some things that we thought were good bets would be the fight not going the distance. That was minus 650, didn't cash. Under four and a half, that was a minus 420 to minus 450 range. Didn't happen. Jamal Hill by KO at plus 110 did not happen. And submission for Glover Teixeira, which we thought about playing, but I'm like, you know, plus 225, what are you getting? Not really getting crazy odds there. That didn't happen either. Matter of fact, the fight not starting round three was a play that we considered, and that was at minus 165. So the fight really didn't go the way the, I guess, the books and the projectors thought. I mean, it didn't. I thought the fight was going to get finished at some point, but it just didn't happen. All right, moving down to the co-main event, Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueredo. They may have fought in a few times. You may have heard of these guys. Brandon Moreno wins a dominant performance, and sort of puts an end to this chapter after the fight's over davison says hey thank you i thought he's about to retire like he's got his gloves in his hand and he's like taking him i'm like dude you're still you know you're what 35 years old but you still have some you know something left and so davison says he's moving up in weight class you know this he insinuates the weight cut has been too much maybe even kind of why he lost the fight but uh nonetheless brandon marina looks fantastic i think comes in there with the recent distraction from being under the tutelage of James Krause and having to sort of, you know, adjust camps quickly. He had that going on. Nonetheless, picks up the win, exciting win. It's due to an eye injury. I'm going to tell you at first, I thought maybe that Davison Figueredo was sort of, I was like faking it, like maybe just keeping his eye closed and be like, oh, I can't see. Not the case. It was a pretty bad eye injury. His eye was, you know, literally closed and he couldn't keep going. Doctors did their little analysis and stopped the fight after the end of round three. Uh, so central time, hype three MMA, you're in central time. Well, for you, this show is a little bit easier uh, for those in the Pacific time frame, much easier uh, for those on the Eastern seaboard. This fight, this show is really meant for those night owls, you know, invoke my deep voice talk mixed martial arts in a very sensual chill manner have some cool guests come through and uh, hopefully we're gonna tack on to that audience and bring that kind of audience in here so hype 3 mma if you're part of that kind of culture welcome my friend welcome all right so um brandon marino wins the title puts an end to that chapter and uh and Basically says, hey, title's mine. Moving forward in this division. Looks phenomenal. Davison was respectful after the fight. Uh, so on and so on. And so if you pick Marino to win and you bet on him, again, odds were pretty good. They were pretty good. But we like this fight. The fight going the distance. We thought it would go the distance. It did not. The fight going over three and a half rounds was minus 200. Inside the distance was plus 275 for Marino. And plus 300 for Figueredo. The fight starting round three was minus 360. And then split decision was plus 1,000 for both. We thought there was a chance of that. But uh, the spot we did sprinkle was Brandon Marino into the distance at plus 275. And that did hit. And we had a small play, a quarter unit on Brandon Marino to win outright at minus 120 or maybe plus 105. It was around there we got him. But the former Gloria May Fitness product, former James Krause 
a fighter does win. Somewhere in the world, James Krause was probably watching that fight and like, you go, boy. Next fight, moving it down, Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. And this fight did not go the way we anticipated. This was one of two crushing blows. We got knocked out of profitability on this card by by a one-two combination. And this was the right hand. The left, uh, the left hand to jab was when <laughs> my man Rodriguez got knocked out in round one. And this was the right hand to knock us out of profitability. We had the fight going to round two, and we were so confident in that spot. Fight starting round two was hovering around minus 300. If you don't know, now you know the fight ends in round number one with Gua Burns just looking completely dominant. Um, gets an arm triangle choke after doing some really nice transition moves on the ground on a guy in Neil Magny who's known for invoking cardio as a weapon, uh, pretty good grappling game, yes, tall, whatever else. But Burns comes in there and, and more or less... I think waves his flag in there and says, listen, I'm pretty legit, guys. I'm not a, a middling average fighter anymore. I'm at the time, I'm at the peak of my game. That fight with Kamzat Shamayev was not a fluke. Him beating Steven Thompson, not a fluke. So Gilbert Burns, man, he puts his flag, staples it in the ground and says, here you go. What a nice first round win. For us, <laughs> not so good. Because again, we were hinged to that, that fight starting round number two. I will also say this. Gilbert Burns was a big favorite, like minus four-something four range, right? Minus 475. That was a little scary. I thought that Neil Magny was a good play as an underdog. We didn't play him as a dog, but for that reason, we weren't really putting Gilbert Burns into too many parlays. A little worried about that. Hindsight's 2020. Gilbert looked effing amazing. So, yeah, Gilbert Burns gets the win. Moving down to Jessica Andrade versus Lauren Murphy. If you had action with Andrade as a parlay piece, you were safe. The fight was one-way traffic the entire time. Somehow, I guess down in Brazil, the rules were a little bit different. These referees were like, if you die, you die. And this was one of those fights, kind of like the Glover Teixeira fight, where Lauren Murphy served as a punching bag for the greater part of this three-round fight. It got tough to watch at times. She's a very respectable fighter. You know, people make fun of her looking like, you know, somebody who works in a diner and stuff. I, I think it's more just people just being whatever cliche. She's not a terrible looking woman and uh, she deserves a ton of respect for being in there and fighting. But my gosh, by the time that she was done in there, her face. <laughs> remember that guy from that movie Goonies? Remember that movie that if you don't remember the movie Goonies, you're probably just old. You're probably a little younger than me. But that guy who had the, you know, baby Ruth, the sloth dude, whatever, her face had bump a lump all over. It was, and the fight kept going. <laughs> she kept eating punches. And for Andrade, if you went to the Twitter sphere and the, and the socials out there, you were hearing people saying, oh man, you know, Jessica Andrade was at the distance, didn't cash, and, and bummed about it. That was a bad beat this weekend. That's definitely an example of a bad beat because that fight really probably should have been called. Now, if you heard our breakdown, we specifically talked about the fact that Lauren Murphy went to round four with Shevchenko. I think Shevchenko is still a better fighter than Andrade. So I was hesitant to say inside the distance. I thought the fight would go over a round and a half, which is only minus 210. It would go the full distance, which was minus 110. Those things I thought were in play because of Lauren Murphy. I mean, Lauren Murphy's not to give up. She's tough. I didn't, I didn't though, foresee. The referees just being like, hey, you know, a fight that should be stopped. We're just going to let it keep going. So 
some spots in that fight that we had right where the fight went the distance at minus 110 over round and a half at minus 210. The fight starting round two was minus 285 in a women's bout. So everyone was leaning for that fight to get finished at some point. And Jessica Andraj in round one, I don't think she got close to finishing round one, but she looked pretty good. As we talked about in the breakdown, though, Jessica Andraj was coming off of that win recently where she got that like first round triangle over Lamosh. And people were, that was affecting the line. That was in people's head, you know, recency bias. Anyway, she wins, minus 490. First fight in the main card, Johnny Walker, fabulous win over Paul Craig. All right, I'm going to stop right there because I got to bring our first guest into the show. Let me bring in the wonderful damsel. Hello, hello. How are you? Hey, how's it going? It's great. Thank you so much for making the time. I know it's a, it's a bit late for everybody here. <laughs> it's no, no worries. Well, I appreciate it. It's been a little while since we talked, and I was going back. Well, first of all, before I even jump into to, to, to talking, can you please introduce yourself to the audience so people know who you are? Uh, I'm Lindsay Van Zandt, a.k.a. Damsel. Um, I fought for Invicta, Ryzen, um, Bellator, Pro MMA <laughs> awesome, awesome. And last time we talked, because we had you on the show, it's been a little while, but we had you on. It was after a recent loss, and you were sort of, you know, kind of regrouping, uh, healing. Uh, I think that's the main theme we were talking about. Um, and specifically, you know, conscious of possible any kind of brain injuries, meaning like, you know, not sustaining them and, and being responsible about your rehabilitation. How is that all going? It's going. It's still like a work in progress. Um, I keep getting more and more information of how to get better. Um, basically, um, I have a lower threshold for to get a concussion again. So it's like they, that's what they call it, like a lower threshold to. Um, uh, I can't think of the exact word, but that's what they say I have. So like basically, like you could just like what normally wouldn't give me a concussion, like you just punch me, like really light. It's like it would activate symptoms. So it's basically like I have to take a little more time off than I want. But um, there was a lot of things that I could do. I mean, there's stem cell, but it's so expensive. So I'm kind of, it's kind of looking into that. Um, but there's, there's a couple other routes. I've been talking to some UFC fighters that have had some similar problems that have the, uh, obviously, advantage being under the UFC banner and being able to, to have uh, the UFC cover it. So like they've kind of been giving me some tips. Um, so I'm still trying to figure it out. So still, still a work in progress. <laughs> Well, and that brings me to another question. Have you thought about possibly doing some grappling um, as, as as competitive grappling while you're still, you know, working through this? Uh, yeah. So uh, my last concussion, I just kept getting concussed trying to practice. And mm. um, my last concussion was in August. So after that, I was like, all right, I'll stop going live. But yeah, my goal in June was to, hey, like, let me just not get hit in the face. Let me do jiu-jitsu. But <laughs> um, I got knee in the face in jiu-jitsu. That, that was another concussion in uh, June when I like I came back and then I got spinning back elbowed got a black eye in jiu-jitsu in August so I was like all right I guess I'm really just supposed to like chill out right now um, so I'm just trying to listen to the universe and uh, I'm just focusing on coaching and hopefully in a couple of years when I can figure all this out come back I do think I'll have a nice comeback but I think I should be patient <laughs> well you know I'm sorry to hear that that's happened at the same time I'm glad to hear how conscious you are of taking care of your health because I feel like matter of fact I, I would even ask you did you watch any part of UFC 283 this past weekend oh my god yes it was such a great card <laughs> so a phenomenal card but and I don't want to you know I don't want to be Debbie Downer here but do you watch some of those fights and think like that person probably has a concussion already 
Oh, that person's yeah. probably like Lauren Murphy. That she's probably taking a little too much. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Should that fight have been stopped? Yeah, I. Uh, it's so hard, and obviously, like I get it. Cause I'm a fighter, and like no one wants you never want your fight to be stopped. Um, you know, sometimes if there's no possible way for you to win the fight, like if Lauren Murphy could have gone it to the ground, like with her shots and like you know try to get something going on the ground then like okay maybe she had a chance but like clearly the stand-up wasn't working for her so where was her way of winning she's just gonna be taking damage i felt like it should have been stopped after the second i mean she's a warrior and obviously she didn't even go down at all but i mean what what was the point of her taking more shots i don't know i thought it should have been stopped i think that um the ref did a good job because it's like okay well she's still defending she's still doing what she's supposed to do but I feel like he should have maybe stopped it too. But you can't really hate on him. I think it's more for the corners. But I'm sure she was like, no, I don't – I want to keep fighting. So it's like – it's a hard one. Um, I thought it should have been stopped. But, yeah, it's obviously hard. <laughs> yeah, it was t- It was tough. And, and the main event was similar in terms of, you know, to share, a, I think, fighting, you know, beyond what people thought he can do. Um, and yeah. He was 43. Um uh, yeah, again, it sounds morbid, but I'm pretty sure in those moments, both those fighters are leaving that you know arena with some kind of brain trauma. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was a tough. hard one to watch too. I, dude, that Texera is just freaking <laughs> the best man. But like for him, it's like he could have finished it on the ground. So it was like, do you stop it? Could he just figure something out on the ground? And he had a couple opportunities where he almost had it, but um, see so yeah, that one, that one I would have kept going because like that was kind of a different story. Whereas like he could could have. Got something on the ground, but I mean, still rough to watch when you know you think about concussion side of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think about it quite often because you know I, I don't know I I I I, can, I concern myself with like what's the next 15, 20 years going to look like when there's a lot more retired fighters, you know, and and yeah. how will that look? Because you know other sports they bring back their their former their alumni and they parade them onto the football field or basketball courts or whatever sport it is and. Uh, it will not be nice to see some of these people, you know, not living well because maybe they expose themselves to, you know, possibly too much trauma. So it's yeah. part of the sport. It is what it is. Yeah, it's part of the sport, but it sucks. I mean, it would be nice. That's why when, like, the, you know, fighters want King Pan enough, it's like you guys don't know the repercussions of what we put ourselves through. Obviously, we do it because we love it. So, like, we're like, okay, you know, fuck it type attitude, but we do have to deal with the consequences. <laughs> Yes, there are consequences. Well, Lindsay, it's it's great to have you on. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep in touch with you. We will we'll reach awesome. out to you to sort of you know keep tabs on 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 your recovery process and and if you do decide to get back on the mat and if you never do, that's fine. We're still gonna keep in touch with you because uh, you did a great job when you were fighting. Um, you Thank fought you. at a very high level, and your conversations are always intelligent. You always have something good to add to to what we're doing here. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. I'm so uh, happy to be on the show, and. Uh, Midnight MMAs. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lindsay. Well, yeah, tune in whenever you can. We tend to have good fighters. We have a, one of the PFL champs coming on tonight. And, uh, awesome. and we'll, we'll definitely have you back again, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good night. You too. Peace. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that was Lindsay Van Zandt, uh, the one and only Lindsay Van Zandt. Call me, I don't know, a lush for just fighters in general. I, I, I respect the hell out of them. This this event we normally watch through a lens of some kind, right? We watch it from a distance. We watch it uh, on a television. We watch it on our phone. We watch it in a way where there's a barrier between us and the reality. 
you know, what's actually happening in the octagon, uh, or what's happening in like a, a bare knuckle fight. We have a fighter coming on in the next few days doing an interview with who is now fighting in B- BKFC, bare knuckle, had a background in UFC, also fought in some other promotions. And it takes a different breed to go in there and fight and sustain the, the damage, right, that these fighters sustain. For Lindsay Van Zandt, who right now is not actively fighting, she suffers some damage. You know, she she suffered a brain injury to to, some, to, to an extent, um, and then now, obviously, she talked about it just now. Kind of like it's prevalent to happen again and again. Uh, so she's managing it. She's obviously considering other parts of her life and life beyond fighting, which I think is smart. And so it was always great having her on. We'll try to keep tabs on her. But look her up. Lindsay Van Zandt fought in Invicta. Fought. No. Pretty good promotion as well. Some comments to catch up on here. Colostrum says Murphy need to see penis surgeon. Not really sure what that means, Colostrum. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of Murphy jokes out there. I love Lauren Murphy. She's a overachiever. And that I mean that with all due respect, right? Overachiever. Hi, 3MMA. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Yes. Lindsay Van Zandt is lovely. She's great, informative, intelligent, you know, all things you can imagine. And she's got the the cutest little, what is that, a lisp of some kind, the way she talks. She, she talks like she's a, you know, very young lady. Um, but nonetheless, great. It's good to have her on, and we'll, we'll get her back again here at some point in the near future. At least one more time before the year's over, right? Thank you, Hyper MMA. Okay, going back to, let me double check here something here on our schedule. Our next guest will be coming through in just a few moments. So let me go ahead here and move back over my notes. I apologize. If you're watching here on YouTube with us, I am just getting things lined up for our next guest. So give me one second. All right. Yeah, we have a former PFL or current PFL fighter who won the PFL title this past fall coming in this evening and um let me just send him a message multitasking here okay ufc 283 first fight in the main car we were just talking about that johnny walker gets an exciting win over paul craig like it's not in the distance which was minus 650 that was kind of a no-brainer inside the distance for johnny walker was minus 150 if you had a crystal ball you would have laid the bank on that right under two and a half rounds was minus 420. So again, they the books expected violence here. They expected either Paul Craig by submission, which was plus 340, or Johnny Walker submission or a KO of some kind. For Walker, it was a real nice W. I mean, he goes out here and bounces back. You know, that's the best way to put it. He had that rough little stretch there. Lost to my man Jamal Hill. Got like starts, knockout highlight type of moment. And bounces back with this nice light heavyweight win over Paul Craig. Paul Craig, I do want to say this. <laughs> One of the funniest moments of the week that I observed was Mr. Paul Craig with a blue faded, blue painted face during the face-offs and coming out all rah-rah. You know, winning the press conference does not always equate to winning the fight. You know, remember Strickland when he was talking, not this last fight, a few fights ago and rah-rah. That shit does not always translate. Excuse my says, and it didn't translate for USC 283 because you know he ended up um, grabbing a leg 
He's trying to get a leg for some kind of a takedown. And while he's grabbing the leg, Johnny Walker is just hammering him in the head. Two minutes, 16 seconds. Round number one, Mr. Walker from Brazil gets the W. And for Walker, you're like, you know, you're back on track. That guy is a physical specimen, by the way. If you look at the way he's built, unbelievable, right? Specimen. For those just joining us right now, we just had Lindsey Van Zant on a few moments ago, former Invicta fighter, Ryzen fighter. And a uh, nice discussion about her recovery from a brain injury, what's going on with her. If you haven't, if you weren't here for that, just hit the rewind button later on. You can catch that part of tonight's show. We do have more guests coming through tonight, so stay tuned. All right, back to the breakdown of, or not breakdown, the review of UFC 283. So that's the main event. The main event, we went 5-0. and oh. We had Johnny Walker, Andrade, Burns, Moreno, and Jamal Hill. I'm pretty much sure most people had Burns, Andrade, and Walker. That was sort of the leading tendencies for most people out there breaking down this fight card. Moreno, I think he also was a popular pick, though there were some Figueroa people out there. And as for the main event, I think people were very split on that, and I was. I mean, it's not like we backed it up with any bets there. We had a bet on Moreno, but we didn't bet on Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill, if you hear this, <laughs> my bad, dude. Um, you know, I got love for you, but it was just, you know, it was a tough fight. Could have gone either way, and... uh our read on it was just all off anyway. We had the fight not going the distance, and it did, and uh, you know, just didn't work out our way. All right, down to the prelim card. Ihor Petoria, the Ukrainian uh, young man, 26 years old, against Mauricio Rua. And I do want to mention something here. We mentioned in our, our um, prediction video of this fight that Mauricio Rua was like at the tail end of his career, maybe retiring in Brazil. He was his retirement fight. <laughs> We just didn't know that until we watched the fight. It was kind of like a light bulb went off. His last fight, he goes out, tough situation, gets starched. And I'm not a doctor, not a doctor here, but I think he's taken his fair bit of punishment. And it seemed as if at this point in his career right now, it doesn't take much to get the chin loosened up. And that's what happened, you know. So, um, about to be joined in a few moments by, um, other guests here. Just give me one second while I try to funnel them in here. Um, let's do this here as we try to work the work our person in here. Please try again. Please send me the here. Hold on. So for those joining us here late night, Eastern Time, about twelve thirty-two a.m. Your Going through UFC 283, the recap, the review of the event, and looking to bring in our next guest here. Uh, having a little bit of problem with, I guess, their, their mic connection. While they're doing that, let me continue going down the card here. So, Ihor Pretoria gets the win over the legendary Mauricio Rua. Fans were excited. It was a nice send-off. Uh, you know, obviously, he's from Brazil, so he's back home. Uh, the fight knocked with the distance was minus 280. That was easy. A round one KO for Victoria was plus 225. That was out there as a prop we liked. An anytime KO by Ihor was plus 110. The fight not starting round three was like minus 150. Under two and a half was minus 200. All really good spots. And then you had a long shot stab at Mauricio Rua by KO at plus 450. And so uh, he goes off into the sunset. Mr. Rua, the former you know, Strike Force fighter, um, 
give me one second, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see if I can get this. My, my friend coming in here is having a hard time on the connection. Help him out here. Just give me one second, ladies and gentlemen. Just one second. If I can get uh, support here on the fly, right? We use StreamYard here at MFI Club, and it seems to be a good system. Don't know that I've had any problems before, but having a problem right now. You know, I'm always about resetting, right? If it doesn't work, let's just reset it. <laughs> Try to reset. Um, see you trying to connect. My apologies for those that are here with me right now. Trying to assist our next guest coming in with the uh, connection and if we can't get him here tonight because of technical difficulties we'll have to bring him back another time all right okay so for ufc 283 moving on down rodriguez versus ferreira and this was a fight that was the first part of the one-two combination that broke our back we like rodriguez to win the fight at minus 300 and we were pretty confident UFC experience, he's fought you know better competition. Bruno Ferreira, 30 years old, prospect, older prospect, but still a prospect, undefeated 9 0. A lot to like, good finishing power. This fight was destined not to the distance. We, we were on that bandwagon too, like the under two and a half was minus 450. The fight knocked the decision was minus 750. A KO for Ferreira was plus 350. A round one KO for Ferreira was a like plus 750. Shout out to my boy. Kyle Miller at Never Hedge Media, who actually played that like one unit to win seven units, the round one prop there for Ferreira. Ferreira. Then anytime KO prop for Rodriguez was plus one ten. Rodriguez goes out and wins all of round one. He's winning round one. He's got it. And then with like forty five seconds to go in round one, he just takes a straight hard right hand from Bruno, and that was it. Fell flat in his back. And for Rodriguez. In that flash moment, I can't say that it was not a really hard punch. It was a hell of a hard punch. But I'm worried, man. I'm worried about the chin. And I walk away thinking, I'm going to have this note here. He might be getting chinny. 31-year-old Rodriguez has been in some fights recently. That Armand Petrosian fight a few years ago, or last year, or whatever. He gets cut. He gets busted up. For Bruno, super exciting win, well deserved. Ten and zero now, bro. You're beating Rodriguez like that, you're getting some attention. Very exciting, but a backbreaker for us, and takes us from profitability to not profitability. Diago Moises winning over Mel Guzal Costa. Uh, of course, Costa's claim to fame was that he was literally almost killed. Uh, dude, like, was in a cage fight and referee corner whoever else didn't realize he was unconscious basically getting choked out for like a full minute and a half beyond the time that he had already been unconscious that video's out there hard to watch and so he goes in here and he you know puts on a pretty good fight for as long as it lasted i thought to myself this was a slam dunk you play thiago moises minus four to range whatever you play him you parlay him better fighter att blah blah blah, blah. 
So fight back of the distance was minus 175. Moises to win into the distance was plus 100. Moises by sub was plus 180. And Costa, uh, in the fight, I'm sorry, under two and a half rounds. All those spots cash, which are all spots that we were heavy on for this fight, along with parlaying Moises. Unfortunately, we had Moises parlays with Rodriguez, so yeah, <laughs> that's how that works sometimes. Yago yeah, looked good. He looked good. And for Melisquizal Costa, our first time seeing, but he looks like he looked pretty damn good. Pretty good. I'm curious to see who he fights next. Next on down, we have Gabriel Bonfim, the second of the two Bonfim fighters on the card. Hindsight's 2020. I should have just played two Bonfim brothers side by side. And nice, that's just lay the lumber on that parlay, right? Two Brazilians, brothers, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Um, one second here. My guess is. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Um, so Sadabu C was the guest we're trying to bring in here. So we're having some technical difficulties. I don't want to hold you up this evening, Mr. Sadabu C. I appreciate you trying to connect. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a time with you. We'll, we'll reconnect and see if we can get you in for a little short interview on the side, then replay it back later or have you back uh, next weekend um, because I want you in the show. I mean, Sadabu C just, um, just won the PFL title this past fall. And uh, he's messaging me right now. He's a wonderful dude, great guy. We want to get him on the show. But due to technical difficulties, um, <laughs> Sadabu C sends a message to tell the audience. Uh, he, is, he apologizes. He cannot get in here. But um, unfortunately, it's just one of those things, technical difficulties. But we'll get back to you, brother. We'll get back to you. We'll try to find a way to uh, get you connected um, and then uh, find out what's going on. So thank you so much for coming through. That's Sadabu C, PFL. Winner this past fall, recent millionaire, and uh, unfortunately, um, just can't connect them. It's tough. We have these issues that happen. Technical difficulties, right? Yeah, hype. I know, right? I was so so thrilled to get him on the show tonight. He's a he's a great dude. He was kind enough to make the time. He's out in Vegas right now training. And um, what I'll do is I'll find a way to get him on here next week. Maybe it was something simple on his. Device he didn't realize it wasn't connected to something or whatever else. Yeah. Um, all right. So, okay. All right. That threw me off there a little bit. Let me try to find myself back on rhythm here. We do have a few more guests. So, uh, even though Sadabusi couldn't make it, we do have two more guests tonight who will be joining us with the show. We'll bring them in when they get here. Um, for right now, let me continue with UFC 283, the recap. So Moises wins there. Down to Gabriel Bonfim winning his fight. He wins in dominating fashion over Monir Lezez. And quite frankly, those who were on Monir Lezez to win the fight, I can't blame you. He's a he's a good fighter. <laughs> he's a good fighter. He's got good experience. He's been in the UFC, obviously, much longer. But a round one guillotine choke from Gabriel Bonfim in 49 seconds Dominant, dominant W. And yeah, Captain Nice Knight for the Bonfine brothers. Very dominant win. I thought Gabriel Bonfine was the fighter to win the fight. We liked him to win the fight. Like the fight, not the distance, which was minus 200. The sub prop for Gabriel Bonfine was plus 200. But we thought the fight would go a little bit longer, maybe over a round and a half. That was minus 160. That didn't cash. For Monir Lezez, we liked him by decision. That was plus 350. And the fight starting round three was minus 105. So this fight. Was not predicted to go full distance, but it ends up uh, finishing very quickly in round number one. Nice win there for Gabriel Bonfim, who we played 
straight up only for like a quarter unit. So we're a little bit, uh, a little bit hesitant there. <laughs> All right. So moving on down to Jaldan Almeida versus Shamil Abdurakimov. And as expected, it was one way traffic. And my man over here, the Brazilian sensation, Jaldan Almeida, who's really a light heavyweight, rolls to victory in round two. And uh, at about three minutes, I recall like, like squeezing my ass cheeks at the halfway point because we had the fight going under a round and a half. And obviously, at almost three minutes, it was about 26 seconds <laughs> over. Damn, another bad beat for us this week. I thought I'll make him get the finish. He does get the finish. But we were kind of off there on that prop. And we did probably that prop. We were confident the fight would not go over a round and a half. And it was close. At times, it looked like Jalton was getting to the finish. He was looking at the referee to stop the fight, whatever. And for Shamil, I mean, he had no chance to win. He's 41 years old. I think he still has to be left to fight a little bit longer. But, you know, this is a terrible matchup for him. The fight not going to decision was minus 1,000. <laughs> Almeida to win was like minus 950. Almeida to win to the distance was minus 550. That's kind of wild when you think about it. Hypity writes in here. He says, I played both brothers in a parlay. Thankful I did. Odds were close, but I was uncomfortably confident. Ah, ha, ha. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. We are being joined here by another guest. So let me bring her in. There she is. Hey, how are, how you? are you? I'm great. I'm great. So we are joined, for those who are not looking at this on YouTube, we are joined right now by Brittany Cloudy, um, former Invicta fighter, but still current mixed martial arts fighter. I'm going to get some updates from her as to what she's doing. So welcome to the show, Brittany. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me tonight. It's I really appreciate fun. your time. I appreciate your time. Now, where are you based out of right now? You said you're in what, Central Time? Yes. I'm living in Houston right now and training out of Houston. Okay. Okay, cool. Now, where's originally where's original home for you? I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. And I've kind of just been bouncing around lately. Before that, I was living in California. So um, I've settled down here in Houston. Okay. Well, Houston's a, a, a pretty big city, so you got a lot of things to do down there and a lot of cultural options. You're not also far from, from Mexico if you want to go down yeah. south of the border. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely liking where I'm at right now. Good, good. And where are you training at? What's the name of the gym? I'm at Main Street Boxing and Muay Thai. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any fighters there that we would recognize? Um, yeah, definitely. Derek Lewis has a fight coming up. He trains under with uh, Crew Bob. Uh, Kevin Hollins uh, trained with Bob. And we have a lot of other pro fighters like Colton and uh, England. He just really, he just fought on Fury. We have a lot of fighters based out of Fury. And um, uh, Laura Murphy, I know she used to train here a little bit ago, but she's out in Denver now. But we've had a lot of uh, high-level people come past through here and train. Does that, I mean, I, it's, a, it's a dumb question, but as a fighter, is, is it a big help to be in a, an environment like that versus, let's say, a smaller gym where you don't have as many, let's say, partners? Yeah, that's definitely, like, I really do feel like you can find value wherever you are. Um, but then at a certain point of time, you do want to have that higher level of training. You want to have those different training uh, partner options. So it's definitely beneficial to have to be somewhere where you get that as well. Now, talk about recent. What's been the most recent stuff for you? I think I looked on your topology. Didn't you have a fight planned just mm-hmm. the other day, right? Yeah. Did that fight Did that fight happen? No, it didn't happen. 
Okay, so I'm not crazy. Okay, all right. I'm just making sure I'm not taking crazy pills over here because I'm looking on Tapology. I'm like, she's supposed to fight the 21st. Um, yeah. There's there's like four or five fights listed on Tapology, but none of them have results. Um, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but if you want to share what happened to that card falling apart. Um, I mean, we we I guess we always say, you know, you don't have a fight until you know you're in a cage and they close the cage behind you. But um, it sounds like by the a week out from the fight that they only had so many fights actually left on the card. So it kind of forced them to have to postpone the whole event. Okay. So it's postponed until April, but it okay. not ha didn't happen. Okay. All right. Now you had fought Invicta. I forgot your last opponent, but you weren't Invicta there for a little bit. Are you trying to get your way back to Invicta? Um, you know, what were the circumstances by which you decided to move on? Uh, again, whatever you decide you want to share with us. Um, right now I'm thinking that I'm really look. well, my main goal was to really find a, a fight promotion and a, a matchup in enough time to have like an actual a good camp. Um, it just so happened that a lot of my fights that I've taken with Invicta were kind of like last minute fights. Mm. And Although, I mean, if the right opportunity comes, I wouldn't be totally against it, but I'm still very open to seeing other um, options for me to find good matchups and do time to prepare. So. Okay. Okay. What drew you to mixed martial arts? You know, didn't you have a background in other athletics? Like you were, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but you were running track and field or something. You were doing other sports before you got into mixed martial arts. So what was your athletic background and what led you to mixed martial arts? Yeah. Um, in high school, I played basketball and I ran track. I mean, in high school, you would I would have been like, oh, I'm going to the WNBA. But then <laughs> you know, um, the, I, I fell for track and particularly long and triple jump. And that became like my bread and butter. And I did that for a very long time, even so much I competed in college. That's right. Um, I went to St. Louis University. And, and, and the Hall of Fame there, right? Yeah, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame there. So I would say I had a pretty uh, a pretty great track career there. Um, eventually, um, my attention kind of just gravitated away um, as it, I felt like I was ending the chapter of track. I was also kind of baby towing into MMA, just kind of being a spectator and watching the sport and like, whoa, this is exciting. But then, oh, it's actually very interesting. And I'm learning about all this different combative, combative things that I've never tried before. So um, sure enough, when I decided to wrap up with track, I was like, well, I just want to try a boxing. I just want to try a jujitsu and see what it's like. And, and I tried it out and like, I fell in love and I just kept wanting to do the next thing. So here I am now still at it. Well, we're glad to have you in the show, Brittany. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to shout out any of your coaches or sponsors or family, anyone that you want to thank for just where you're at with your career. The floor is yours. Uh, I feel like it's – I never want to, like, not mention any person who has been incremental to, to my whole journey here. Um, it all starts at home, though, like – uh, my family that I have and my friends in the MMA community back home in St. Louis, they've been riding with me like since even when I moved away to California at Team Oyama and then moving back and then moving down here to Main Street. So um, my coaches from the beginning, like Tracy Taylor at Taylor Made uh, Jiu Jitsu, 
um, St. Charles MMA and Wolves Den. Like really, I would bounce around in St. Louis. So a lot of the gyms there and my training partners there. Um, um, and a lot of just my friends and family there who support me no, no matter where I am in the country at the time. Um, um, moving on into like California, I've made a lot of friends um, in different places that we still keep in contact with. So even just like the loving, supportive kudos, hey, keep up, keep at what you're doing. Like, I really appreciate that as well. And then coming here to Houston and Crew Bob opening his doors to say, hey, come on in. I just have felt so welcome um, and connected immediately when I came down here. And so that was really something that I was looking for um, at this point in time in my career of um, finding a new home base to kind of settle down and not bounce around so much. So um, everyone down here at Houston has definitely welcomed me and made me feel at home. Um, sponsors um, that from St. Louis to everywhere that I've been around, like they've been holding me down to um, and new projects and things that I'm getting into, like Three Comma Creative with Rick. Um, so there's a lot of cool things I'm working on and um, very, well, very supported. Well, Brittany, I want to bring you back on the show as we get closer to your next fight. Yep. Um, I know things could change. You mentioned April for this fight that's being rescheduled. Maybe something changes and you're actually with a whole different promotion to fight. But we want to bring you back. When you know your next fight, reach out to us. Let us know. We'll get you on here like the week of or whatever as you know as the as the fight gets closer. And um, keep in touch. You're in the right gym. You're in a good atmosphere. Yeah. You, you, you sound like you're in a positive place mentally. And that's the most important thing. If you're mentally upstairs okay, then everything else will follow. Yeah. Yeah, it's just been, you know, putting the final pieces to my puzzle together. And that has really been a big part of it. So, yes, yeah, so I'll definitely reach out and let you know when I get something scheduled and get back okay. in the I'm ready. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brittany. You have a wonderful evening. And thank you for coming on this show live. I know it's still late your time as well, but thank you. Well, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Peace. Exactly. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. That was Brittany Cloudy, ladies and gentlemen. Brittany Cloudy, former Invicta FC fighter, who maybe off the air, I didn't want to pry into her business because the fight game is ruthless. You know? Ruthless, man. Hype for your loyal dude. Thank you. I appreciate the applause. I appreciate the applause. Nice having Brittany Cloudy come through. So, Brittany Cloudy, again, I had a chance to meet Brittany. And um, just through communication online, whatever. And this is going back like a while ago. I communicated with her about a year ago when she was fighting Invicta. A hell of a jab. Really good boxer. And I think the, the deficiency that we saw initially when we were breaking down her film and stuff was that, you know, the grappling is tough because, you know, here she has a track background, longer leg, right? Basketball. She mentioned this. She's not coming from like a high school wrestling background, you know what I mean, like a judo background. So some of those deficiencies that she's getting better and getting more experience will help her to, you know, close the loop there and hopefully get herself on track. But I would love to see her back in Invicta. I think she's of Invicta quality and, um, you know, it's a lonely road out there when you're trying to find other promotions to fight for and, you know, cards are falling apart and, you know, they're giving you different stories and stuff like that. So. Nonetheless, um, that again was Brittany Cloudy. Brittany Cloudy.
I want to say that's Britney, you know what, but that's inappropriate. Let's not talk like that on the air, right? We do have one more guest joining us this evening, and I don't want to give his name because I feel like if I tell you he's going to be here, I'll jinx us if he can't make it. Um, let me double check our schedule here for when he's supposed to be coming through. He should be coming through in a few moments. So we are ready when you are, pal. Let's wrap up UFC 283. We were down to Jolton Almeida winning his fight. Cody Steeman gets a win over Luan Lacerda. Honestly, at a minus 365 favorite. It got a little sweaty there. He had all three judges on the scorecard giving a decision, but man, wasn't a great performance. Uh, you know, a lot of questions there after the fight. The props that we like with the fight going to decision, which was minus 225, over, over one and a half rounds was minus 435. Cody by decision was minus 130. That's a much better play than the money line at minus 365. The fight starting round three was minus 265. Um, and then Lasarda by submission was plus 425. We had a small stab on that. The fight ends up going to decision. Cody wins the fight. If you parlay Cody, well done. If you didn't parlay Cody, you probably avoided a, a nice sweat because that was sweaty. Terrence McKinney versus Ishmael Bonfim. In the breakdown, I said I've got to go with Terrence because he's a friend of the show. We've had him on here before, one of our first interviews, and so we love me some Terrence McKinney. But I was very specific on the breakdown that I thought Ishmael could win the fight, and I was worried about this matchup. Result is knockout of the year category, knockout of the decade, Bonfim is you know getting getting some shots on Terrence. Terrence is slowing down, backs against the fence, and the mouthpiece of McKinney falls out. Falls out because he's being hit. Now I'm sorry, round two. We're in round two, which is surprising as it is, right? We're at a round one, we're in round two. Terrence had a calm first round, didn't blow his wide, didn't get too crazy. And Bonfim knocks the mouthpiece out. Okay, whatever. And then comes in with a flying knee. Hits Terrence McKinney on the side-ish area of the chin. Not flush straight, but more in the side area of the chin. And that shot sends Terrence McKinney into the shadow round. Terrence does the freeze, kneel over, falls face flat. The one-hit knockout. He's back awake in a few moments. Seemed like he was okay. They both were sharing some time on social media afterwards, like eating together, having some shots, and all as well. Um, I don't want to get too far into this fight. I have, I have bigger concerns about the, the near future of Terrence McKinney because of these last few losses. And I think right now the career for him is like it went like this, and it's just like boom. It just hit a plateau. And he's going to have to be very careful now him and his camp, how he navigates the next few moves. If you recall pre-fight, he was discussing um, his intentions to try to fight Patty Pimlet. And I thought to myself, you know, let's 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 deal with one thing at a time. There's nothing wrong with having ambitions. I don't want to, you know, let, let's let's be clear. Nothing wrong with being ambitious. And I love me some Terrence beginning. But I thought to myself, let's just let's just beat one one challenge down at a time. And I heard him talking about this. It's the proverbial looking past the first obstacle. Um, High 3 MMA writes in here, I was worried about that as well. The boxing is Chris from Bonfim, and he loved to press forward, wearing people down. 
Ishmael Bonfim is, is is no joke. There, there's holes in his game. There's holes in his brother's game too. But they've got some really good boxing. They've got boxing foundation. They did they did boxing. Right? They can strike. McKinney, had he employed a little bit more wrestling, this would have been to his advantage. I mean, he's an Olympic level ish wrestler, like just outside the Olympic bubble when he was in high school. Guy's phenomenal. Um, needs to make adjustments. Needs to make adjustments. High three MMA also writes in. I agree. I'd love to see him stay. Still young to build himself back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, so moving on down, let's wrap up UFC 283. It's taking us forever. Uh, so we got Terrence McKinney's pick wrong. We were on him to win the fight. Ishmael Bonfim wins. Worley Alves, we had him to win the fight against Nicholas Dalby, and he ends up losing. Now, we weren't super confident con- excuse me, confident in Alves uh, to win the fight. He ends up losing by split decision. It was real close. I, I kind of thought that, that Dalby won, though Alves had some moments. Alves' cardio checked out. That was great. But uh, the fight doesn't go the way we expected. We thought Alves would have a chance for a submission. The submission prop for him was plus 550. We thought the fight probably wouldn't go the full distance. It went the full distance. Uh, the over one and a half was minus 200. We did like that spot. And then Albie, by decision, we highlighted that as a spot to play, though we didn't play it. It was plus 300. That was the spot to play, or maybe even by split, right? So split decision wasn't on our radar either. We like to play splits. This one was not on our radar. So we kind of missed out on this fight. A bit frustrating. Nonetheless, Orly Alves. Gets the, gets the loss there. Nicholas Dobby gets uh, a good win, I guess. A good win, right? Moving down to the second fight in the card, Josiana Nunez versus Zara Farron. And um, Josiana Nunez gets the win. But woo-wee. It was sweaty. It was sweaty and uncomfortable. And at minus 520 range, if you had Nunez in a parlay, you were it was not a nice fight to watch. I mean, a matter of fact, everyone who saw round one would agree she either lost round one where it was super duper close. When the scorecards come out, she wins 29-28, which means that she probably lost round one because she picked up round two and three. But man, Zara Farron was so much taller and bigger. Now, if Zara Farron had a better gas tank, well, I guess a lot of ifs with Zara Farron. If she had a better gas tank, it could have done what she did in round one, in round two or three. Maybe we've got ourselves a possible upset here because in round one, she was so much longer. Nunes could not close the distance. This is going to be a reoccurring issue for Nunez. We saw the chink in the armor. Mental note to yourself next time Nunez fights. Everyone was on Nunez at the distance. Everyone was. We were too. We were like, there's no way Zara Farron, three-year layoff, blah, 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 comes in here and is able to get a W. We thought, no way. I'm going to show you the screen that I'm looking at here. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to give you a glance at our Excel sheet. What are we looking at here? What am I talking about? So yeah, we got our little guide to each of our cards, and uh, put your stuff in here, film links, notes on the fighters, and uh, the blue marks, the ones on the left that are winners, and the red marks, the losers. Right. And moving on down here to Nunez winning her fight, she wins, and then Simone Oliveira. Opens the car with a loss by decision to Daniel Marcos. And I'm sorry, lost by a, a round two uh, TKO where Marcos was like, bat- I mean, battering him with the body with shot, kicks, knees, the whole nine punches. And Oliver goes out and quite honestly, really underestimated. We underestimated Marcos quite a bit. He looked really good, looked sharp, looked clean. Oliver, my man, tried about 20 spinning maneuvers in round one. One of the like 
lowest fighter IQ moments I've seen in a while. We saw this from him on film doing the breakdown, like spinning maneuvers. Like, dude, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> Stop trying to spinning moves. It's, you know, stop it. Okay, so anyway, uh, for Oliveira, he loses the fight. And now just a quick synopsis here. The first four fights in the card, we went one and four. We had Nunez winning, we had Alves winning, McKinney winning, and Oliveira. So the night started off a little rough for us from a betting or prediction perspective. We were one and four. From there, I mean, one and three. From there, we picked up steam. Excuse me. <clears throat> we picked up steam. And finished the card eleven and four overall. So we only had one more fight after that, predicted incorrectly, which was the Rodriguez fight when he lost to Bruno. So tough start, but to finish eleven and four overall for prediction of the fight winner loser, not so bad. What crushed us, and again, if you're subscribed to our newsletter, what crushed us was the round two prop for the Burns fight. Burns going to round number two didn't happen. <laughs> And then Rodriguez winning. So, again, just a shout-out to our newsletter here. If you're subscribed to our Substack newsletter, it gives you written full breakdowns for PFL, UFC, Bellator, the main cards that are out there, along with a full tip sheet, meaning like our full betting tip sheet, what we have going on, the bets we're placing. And then we don't hide from our results. We give you a tip sheet result a day or so after the event is over. So, what I'm looking at right here on my screen, if you're looking at this on YouTube, is the Substack newsletter. So if you look down below here on YouTube, in our description, you're going to see the link to subscribe to our Substack newsletter. So that's UFC 283 in a nutshell. From a betting perspective, we finished with negative, oh, let me see here, negative 2.85 units or negative almost $300. It's never good to finish negative, but it's manageable. And that's one of the things we try to preach here. If we're going to lose, make it manageable. Like, we don't be losing like $1,000. That's not so fun, you know. But uh, we live to fight another day. Okay, so that's UFC 283 in a nutshell. We've got two new champions. Jamal Hill's on top of the world. Um, probably will fight again this year. A lot of potential opponents for him. Uh, for Moreno. The saga's over with him and Figueredo, at least for now. He moves on. Some people actually were saying, well, maybe they could fight again. I mean, I guess. I guess. I mean, I don't know how many more times you could do that fight. That's you, 280. And um, we also had Invicta FC 51 this past week. I'm not going to get all into that because I know Invicta fans are they're kind of different fans. I'm, I'm an Invicta fan. I love it. But we did have Invicta FC 51 last Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday, and that was a nice card. It was a good card, some good fights in it. We did a whole breakdown on that, and the results are out there. But I want to shout out Invicta. Love me some Invicta. KSW. KSW 78 was on Saturday afternoon. I'll tell you what. I wish KSW was available to bet on FanDuel and DraftKings. If it was, I'd promote it more. I'd do more breakdowns of those events because I love me some KSW, the announcer is so cool and he's got his own little swag or whatever else. But uh, they had a full card, had some nice fights. I didn't catch a single wink of it because I was preparing for UFC 283 and whatever else. But yeah, KSW was this past week. He picked FC 51 and then of course UFC 283. Now it leads me into next week. What's on tap? What's coming up? Right? No UFC this week. So if you need UFC in your life, you're going to have to go at least a two-week break here with no UFC. And 
we do have is the PFL. And the PFL will be all by itself. Smart move for the PFL. The PFL will have their week one Challenger Series event coming up this Friday. And if you don't know what this means, the Challenger Series is just like the American Tennis Series. It's the same exact thing, but the PFL version. And they get, you know, four or five bouts. Their twist is like they'll have coming up Friday all welterweight bouts, right? So it's going to be four welterweight bouts. And you have eight total fighters, right, competing for, I believe, two contracts. And you're going to have a panel. I think one or two celebrities on the panel. And they do like a little, you know, uh, American Idol type of thing. They vote. And like, oh, you know, we're going to vote for this guy, whatever. And the two fighters they like the most, who perform the best, get the nice finishes, whatever, they get a contract with the PFL. So it'll be welterweights this week. Men, like, following week will be just women. Excuse me. The next week after that will be, you know, something else. So like about five, six weeks of this. PFL Challenger Series. It should be available from a gambling perspective on DraftKings. It should be. Um, I can't promise you that. So that's the week ahead. We've also got LFA 151 coming up on Saturday for the LFA people out there. Another That's another fight card or another fight promotion. If DraftKings offered lines on LFA, if Vandal did, I'd be all in. But unfortunately, they're not <laughs> available. So, you know, so that becomes available on the more you know prominent sports books. We don't really want to touch it. But if you do like LFA, it's available on Saturday. Probably going to be playing on Fight Pass, right? UFC Fight Pass. So if you're watching, let us know. Some notes here on the side. Hattrick writes in, not sure if you remember me, but I had won a gift card from you and got my kid a mitt for b-ball. Thanks. Yeah, dude, I do remember you, Hattrick. Love it, man. It's good to have you back. Thank you for stopping by. Um, yes, yes. I, it is glad to be back, man. It is glad to be back. If you didn't catch the earlier part of the show, Hattrick, um, we had a few guests come through. We have one more guest coming through later this evening, but uh, if you um, athletes come through to talk a little bit, catch that maybe in the, on the rewind, right? Yes, Hattrick. My man Hattrick here was a winner of one of our gift cards. We're going to be doing a, a reward thing coming up soon it'll be like a monthly reward system uh to win like a prize um and a gift card will be part of that prize so stay tuned hatrick we have some stuff coming up hopefully i'm ready for it in march there's just some developmental stuff that i'm waiting for i got designers working on a website and blah blah blah, blah so kind of bore you all that stuff so anyway so for next week there's no ufc but you got pfl on friday you got lfa 151 and then the following week we'll have ufc Now, what else is on tap here? We have the top stories in MMA. And some of them are last two weeks, right? Usman versus Edwards is booked for UFC 26. The PFL has signed a bunch of new fighters. So if you're a PFL person, check out the new signings. If you follow them on Twitter, they're signing a ton of fighters. Now, some are like whatever, average fighters you don't really know much about. And some are like some fighters you might recognize. Um, yeah, the PFL is making a push. And of course, they just you know added the likes of Mr. Jake Paul. Definitely will rewind. And, so Hatching writes in, definitely will rewind and we'll rewatch later. Still have that beautiful piece of glass. I do, sir. I'll break that another time. But I do still have that beautiful glass. <laughs> and so... Also coming up, John Jones will make his return in March, March fourth. That's around the corner. Versus Gone, John Jones has signed a eight fight deal with the UFC. 
Does he fight all eight of those fights though? I mean, it's the over under on that, right? Four and a half, five. So Francis Ngannou, I don't want to beat this story up because most of you know about the story. Him walking away from the UFC, like I'm gonna break up with you. Ex girlfriend says I'm breaking up with you, and you know Dana does the press conference and gives the whole like he doesn't want to fight competition. That's tough and. And, and Nagano does his media tour and gives his version. And I don't know where the truth I don't know the truth is. Truth probably lies between what they're both saying. You know what I mean? Ultimately, it appears that Nagano turns down like almost $8 million to fight one fight with John Jones, which is a bit surprising. But one thing I found to be super interesting, I just want to put it out there. When you're hearing about NFL contracts, NBA, other sports, whatever, soccer, other major sports, and I think... We're at the point where we can call mixed martial arts in the UFC major. Right? Call it major. Pay-per-view, ESPN, whatever. Um, you hear the contracts being offered, right? And you'll hear like, okay, this, this person's being offered $100 million, five years, you know, $40 million guarantee, whatever. Okay, so we know the parameters of the deal. Okay. When Dana White said in the press conference, we offered him the richest heavyweight deal of all time. I thought to myself, you know, Dana, you should be like a, a lawyer, dude. That's lawyer speak. You're not actually giving the details. You're just saying, well, you know, we're giving him the richest UFC contract in history. Th that's how the NFL has long done business with their players. Like they don't have guaranteed money and so on and so on. That's why baseball and obviously basketball, the players make not better. What Dana was in essence doing was just playing on words. Like we, we're offering him the richest contract and heavyweight you know, championship history. Well, there's a few things around that. The last heavyweight that got that money would have been Brock Lesnar. When was that? 2017, six years ago. Should the market have adjusted between the last six years? The heavyweight division of the UFC, one of the most boom, like booming uh, major sports franchises in the world, right? So saying you're getting more money than the, the most that's ever been paid to a heavyweight, and we're talking about a guy six years ago, it's a, it's a little conflating. It doesn't, doesn't really line up or compare. Second of all, that doesn't tell me how much it is. What, what was he being paid? I don't know. Like, if he said, if Dan White says, we're offering him the richest contract in UFC history, right? We're offering him the most money ever to fight one fight in UFC history. We could have at least gotten a better grasp of, like, well, Connor and, well, you know, I mean, there's been some big fights, right? But referencing a contract that would have been about six years ago for a fighter that was more of like a he was on steroids, you know, Brock Lesnar tested positive and shit, but you know, it, the parameters just don't add up. And I thought it was very intelligent Dana speak, you know, UFC speak to say, Hey, we offer him the richest contract ever in heavyweight history. And he walked away from it. What was the number? What was the number? Was it four years, four fights, 10 fights, uh, 10 million per fight? Was it four fights guaranteed? What, what was, what was the deal? So, I'm just going to put my, my two thoughts out there. I felt like the UFC was obviously under was offering a contract that was not as valuable as they tried to portray. I think ultimately, Ninganu walks away from the contract for two reasons. One, it wasn't enough money. And two, I guess, you know, there are some, some sticking points for him. He feels morally obligated to protect the interests of the fighters and feels like health, health insurance, things of that nature need to be included for everyone, not just him. That part of the story was left completely out. Like, imagine if Dana had said, we respect the hell of this guy. You know, ultimately, he's off, He's asking for things that we cannot do. But he's a pioneer. 
He's a man who wants to help others. He wants health care for all athletes. We're not in a position we can do that. And we think he's honorable for, for, for making that stand. But unfortunately, we've got to move in a separate way. And we wish him the best. Imagine if Dana says that and how, like, he still he still comes out on top. He's still, I'm winning. I'm Dana. UFC, we win. I mean, who's the winners here? Who's the loser? The biggest losers are the fans, right? I mean, let's be honest. It's the fans. The guy's going to get a big fight. He'll get $100 billion to fight some boxing match in you know, Wembley Arena. We'll be fine. Dan White's gonna be fine. You have to be fine. The fans lose John Jones versus Randall If you just say it out loud, it just kind of sounds sickening, right? And suppose we didn't got wanted to fight John Jones twice or his like last few fights in the UFC. Anyway, it is what it is. Stay tuned for what Ningano does next. Um now's a great time to shout out some of our broadcast partners here at MA Fight Club. Special mentions for Blood Money MMA. Cody is at Blood Money MMA Bets 4851. His link is down below in our description here on YouTube. Awesome dude. Great breakdowns. Great everything. Just top quality. Great person. There's a lot of work with Johnny K Picks. That's at Johnny K Picks. Another great capper. Great breakdowns. Excellent work. They do some shows together. It's Blood Money and Johnny K Picks. Capper comparison picks. My buddy Ronj at Ronj Capper. He's on the Instagram. Not so much on the uh, Twitter. He does a nice little summary of cappers on his breakdown channel on YouTube. Eric Betts Fights at Eric Betts Fights 8378. Follow him on Twitter. Um, Eric's going through uh, personal stuff. Nothing that's, you know, nothing that he can't handle, but I do want to extend my proverbial love for the airwaves my buddy eric eric best feist you know we all go through some challenges in life and it's you know not the challenges that define us but it's how we respond and you are a man of character and are going to respond very well eric i know you will that's your back dude and then of course kyle miller at never hedge media who does also do some work with eric best fights kyle miller at never hedge dash krypton ftss sports 227 again the links are down below in our description here on youtube so again, thank you to our broadcast partners. We appreciate you guys. Sponsor for today's episode. Today is brought to you by FightTube. Are you tired of scouring the web for fighter film? Don't want to pay the extra subscription fees to watch old fights? Well, FightTube is on the job. FightTube is creating a comprehensive and easy-to-use film library that can be accessed from a traditional computer or mobile device. FightTube's beta version is set to launch this spring. FightTube.org, the MMA video library. We'll be talking more about fight tube in the coming months in spring very nice little tool a nice app and i thank them for sponsoring our show today so we talked a little bit about top stories in the mma world can we at least mention the slap league thing i know it's not mma worthy forgive me for bringing it up if, if, it, if it ticks you off that we're talking about something that's not legit combat sports or fighting we got to talk about it Patrick writes in here, he says, I was just going to ask your thoughts about Francis leaving. I think this sets up John getting the best and Francis returns to get his belt and it's a huge sale. Wow. So Patrick's basically saying, is this all like a big scoop to eventually come back around and then have Francis return like in a year or two? I mean, he's young for a heavyweight, right? So this could happen in a few years. He comes back, fights John Jones. It's some like, you know, 
you know, it's weird, right? We, we live in a culture where you immediately put yourself in the person's shoes, right? In their shoes. So you're like, okay, if I was Ninganu, you know, $8 million for one fight, I probably would say yes. I wouldn't walk away from it. And, uh, man, like, you know, it, <laughs> it's just different. We're not in their shoes. They have so many, so many different things going on. But if there was a big fight in the line, that would be, that would be wild. That would be wild. And again, Jake Paul going over to the PFL, that's the recent news, but he's also going to be fighting Tyson Fury at the end of February. So he's got himself a, a boxing match, a real one. He gets a boxer. I don't think it's going to be under the PFL promotion. I believe it's going to be under the uh, whatever Fox stuff he does. So we'll see what happens with uh, with that fight. And the, you know, listen, the, the Jake Paul train continues to run. And if you're on it, good for you. Um, I mean, Jake Paul's an anomaly, right? I mean, how do you describe this dude? And don't don't play or hate, by the way. You know, don't, don't be don't be peanut butter and jelly. We all wish we were Jake Paul. I didn't say we all wish we looked like Jake Paul. I just said we all wish we were all Jake Paul. He is a multi-millionaire doing it his own way, playing by his own rules. We have one more guest scheduled to come through tonight, and I'm hoping he makes it. If he does it, we'll maybe have him on again in the future. But we did have. Uh, Lindsay Van Zant and Brittany Cloudy on to the Rick Spiders. We had him on earlier in the show. We want to thank you for coming through. You're always welcome here at Midnight MMA. We'll have them back again at some point in the near future. To catch those interviews, just rewind. I'm going to also thank Jamal Hill for coming on as our first ever guest last year. We're going to have him back on again soon. Jamal Hill, the new, really crowned UFC champion. If you want to watch that full interview, it's available on our channel here. For those of you on the way to work Monday morning who are catching the recorded version of this show from last night, which is tonight for me, but last night for you, thanks for listening. If you're on the podcast, make sure you rate our podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a, a five stars. Don't, you know. If you're on YouTube watching this, like and subscribe. Share our content. We're here every Sunday night at midnight Eastern time. So that's 12 a.m. on Sunday night, not Saturday night. More or less Monday morning. For a full recap of the prior week mixed martial arts, look at the week ahead, special guests, and special about top stories. I'm going to go ahead and play something for you guys here in just a moment. For the people that want to see PFL uh, coming up, we are big fans of PFL. Love me some PFL. And uh, the PFL is going to be returning with the PFL Challenger Series coming up this Friday, right? So we did a breakdown for that card, and uh, the full breakdown is available on our YouTube channel. What I do right now is just give you a little snippet of uh, of the breakdown for the PFL. And again, that's this Friday coming up in Orlando, Florida. It's only four bouts, okay? So it's not a it's not you know not a full card, but it's it's a lot like contender series, okay? That's the way that it's it's positioned, if that makes any sense to you guys. All right. So consider PFL Challenger Series just like the Nanaimo Contender Series. I'm going to step away for just a moment. I'm going to wet the palate, maybe use the facilities, maybe even grab a quick snack. So I'm going to go, go ahead and play for you the um, breakdown video for PFL number one coming up Friday. I'm going to play the entire video for you. I'll just play a little snippet of it. You get like a little sneak peek. 
be called. having a little bit of a technical difficulty i apologize there look how we froze for a second all right so let's see if we can uh get this back and i'll play this for you guys give me one second here how about we get rid of that all right here we go <laughs> sorry about that guys if you're listening to our podcast, you're like, what are we doing here? We're just trying to add an additional screen and uh, give you guys a glimpse at the breakdown for PFL. Number one coming up this week, which are both good. Yeah, wow. I'm happy. Looks like I'm having some web browser slowdown for some reason. Not really sure why. Show live on YouTube like a poor connection. Well, Challenger Series week number one for 2023. There's going to be four. Okay. Yep. We're having a little bit of technical difficulty. I apologize, guys. Just give me a second here as I try to recover. They can cooperate with us. Give me one second here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. And they'll vote on more or less who they think should be the the contract. Tough. It is what it is. All right. Art, only four, but think of it this way. Phil Challenger Series is a lot like the Dana White Contender Series for the UFC. With the eight total fighters in the card, they're all welterweights. Now, only, I believe, two of them get a ch chance to move on. So after the end over, there'll be a like I believe the contract winner. And I think only two guys get a contract. A little bit tough. It is what it is, but it's still an opportunity. So for this week, we got four total matches in the card. There'll be welterweights this weekend. Next weekend will be just one weight class. They'll have a one one weekend. It'll be all females. The event starts on Friday, the twenty seventh of January, with a nine p.m. Eastern start time. From betting perspective, we use DraftKings here at Fight Club. Favorite betway offered. The only caveat is it's tough to find the numbers until maybe like twenty four to forty nine before the event takes off. If you're waiting, you subscribe to our newsletter. That's the only delay. Our tip sheet will come out probably sometime late Thursday or maybe early Friday, the day of the event, because we're waiting for those lines to come. We can't give you our full list of bets until we know the lines, right? With that said, guys, let's jump into these four fights. Here we go. The card opens up with a welterweight at 170 pounds between Mustafa Rashad Neda from Saudi Arabia and Nick Ally from the United States. Give you the pick right away just to get it over with. I think that Mustafa gets a ground and pound finish, most likely in round one, but wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. Would be shocked if he gets at round two. It's these two fighters. So record-wise, we got Mustafa with a seven and three overall record, three and two in his last five fights, compared to Nick Ally, who's seven and five overall. 
also 32 allies from Hampshire, American fighter, 32 years old, six foot in height. We have no reach number on him. He traded of team link hook set. As for Mustafa, not much information on him. Based in the Middle East, he traded him a gym called MMA Jetta Club, and we have no height number on him. Though I would say he's probably, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit shorter than Nick Ally. Ally's a little bit longer of a fighter. If you watch him on film, he's just more lanky. Uh, not quite as lanky as like Nate Diaz, but of that same ilk. And as for Mustafa, he's a little bit more husky, right? Just a little bit more thicker of a fighter, has a wrestling base. If you can imagine that, because of the and. All right, all right, I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. So that's a little brief preview of the PFL Week 1 breakdown. And the PFL, those lines should be available on DraftKings. I, I imagine they should be. And um, check it out. Only four fights, and this going to be on a Friday night, but with no UFC this weekend, only LFA and PFL. So could be worse, right? So I'll, I'll take you some PFL. PFL number one. The best we can to try to get some PFL fighters on the show this year. Um, they tend to be pretty available. So we have one more person to stop by the show tonight. I'm going to hold out hope that it's going to come through. We'll see what happens. Again, today's show is brought to you by FightTube. FightTube.org. The MMA Library. So, coming up, looking at the schedule here. Talk about some upcoming events. Bellator 290. Heavyweight titles on the line between Bader and Bader. That's going to be on the fourth of February. So that's not going to be this weekend. It'll be the following weekend. That same weekend also has Amanda Serrano fighting versus Erica Cruz. Serrano was the fighter, the female fighter who was formerly fought with. Oh, maybe still fighting under the Jake Paul. Promotion. That same weekend, UFC Fight Night returns, UFC Vegas 68, which returns, right? That'll be Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. No titles on the line, but a good fight nonetheless. For Lewis, kind of an important fight for Sergey Spivak. I get um, my card real quickly here. That fight card's going to have a lot of fighters, actually, we recognize. Devin Clark, he's been by our show, and Marcin Tybura, Blagoy Ivanov. Um, so, yeah, a decent card. Nothing that's going to be, obviously, like pay-per-view worthy, which is why it's not pay-per-view. A lot of Asian fighters, actually, that's the one thing about this card that pops out. There's got to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, wow, eight, nine, um, 10, at least 11, about 11, 12 fighters in the car that are from either South Korea, Japan, um, somewhere east of the Atlantic Ocean or west of the Pacific, <laughs> um, which is cool, exciting. You know, the UFC has made no, you know, no secret about the fact they're trying to expand as much as possible into uh, the Far East, and there's a big market there, and they love their mixed martial arts. So nothing wrong with that. So that's going to be UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Spivak. be again two weeks so that is going to be you're going to have you know bellator going that weekend you have ufc returning that weekend you got some boxing going on that weekend serrano versus cruz uh and could peruse even further ahead 
Um, that'll be the second event March for the UFC, UFC 284. Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Wow. So some shit's coming up. There's some shit coming down the pipe. Some nice stuff to look forward to. If I didn't tell you guys already, let me tell you now that you need to subscribe to our newsletter. <laughs> it's free. That's the first thing. Available via Substack. The link is down below. You get full written card breakdowns for UFC, PFL, Invicta, Bellator, the main promotions. You also get a full tip sheet on the bets that we are placing on each event. The amounts, the quantity, the whole deal, the odds, parlays, props, all of that. And then we also send out a results tip sheet. So you have a full breakdown of how we did that. It's all available free via our Substack newsletter. Of course, on our channel, you have the breakdown videos for those same promotions. So you can also you know, use, the, use the notes basically and parallel them with the videos. And hopefully that helps you to find some winning tickets. Uh, we have had a few guests come through tonight. Lindsay Van Zant and Brittany Cloudy. I want to thank them both for stopping by, giving us some of their time, giving us updates on also what's going on with them, what's new with them. So, Sadabusi, or Sadabusai, however you pronounce it, tried to join us tonight. We had some technical difficulties, so unfortunately he could not have him on the show. But the PFL winner from this past fall, newly crowned winner, newly joined Millionaire Club member, Sadabusi. So he was supposed to join us tonight. Unfortunately, technical difficulties precluded him from joining the show, but we'll have him back on again in the future. He did say to say hello to everybody, and then he apologized for the difficulties. Um, what else? What else is going on here? If in the chat, uh, feel free to interact, give me some questions about anything you may have, and I'll do the best I can to respond to them. When we opened the show, I mentioned some of the funniest things that I saw from the sports weekend or the sports week in mixed martial arts. Uh, I think, yeah, I think, um, <laughs> I think Simone Oliveira trying like 20 spinning maneuvers in round one has got to take the cake, man. Just don't get it. We watched him on his prior fights do the same thing, and it's just such a low fighter IQ thing. It's pretty hilarious. If you're betting on him, it wasn't so funny. We had him in some kind of a long shot parlay. It wasn't a big deal. That parlay fell apart for other reasons. <laughs> but uh, yeah, very, very awkward, very funny, very weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. From a betting perspective last week or this past week, we did well in Victa. We finished with plus units, but uh, UFC 283, it's tough because when you finish with 11 and 4 from a uh, a, a win-loss standpoint, you're feeling like I got this, right? You're feeling like I got this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a winning week, and unfortunately, not so much, not so much. Last weekend we had Roxanne Mataferi on the show, along with Ray Cooper the Third. If you haven't watched that episode, you can go back and catch that. It's available on our YouTube channel. Almost all of our YouTube shows or YouTube breakdowns, live content, things like this, are also available via wherever you get your podcast. Just look us up, MA Fight Club, look for our yellow and black logo, and you'll find like episodes like this available on our podcast. But last week we had Roxanne Mataferi, the Roxanne Mataferi, 
Ray Cooper the third, two-time PFL champion, came through from Hawaii. So it's kind of cool. He was we were East Coast time. Obviously, he was all the way in Hawaii, which is like seven thirty his time. And um, we'll have guests every weekend. You know, you can count on us having some fighters every single weekend live on here. Now we will have to do some pre-recording because we can't get everybody here at midnight. Uh, matter of fact, Kevin Kroom. We look forward to having Kevin uh, on the show. Kevin, who's the former UFC fighter, now doing uh, bare knuckle fighting, was going to come on the show today, but he told me the late hours are just too much. So we're going to do a pre-recorded session with him and also Justin Burlington, contender series fighter last year, Cage Warriors fighter, Cage Warriors uh, title contender. Um, so we have a lineup of fighters coming through, and we appreciate their time. We appreciate you guys tuning in with us. But uh, we'll have more to come. And the idea is when we get our guests through here, it's nice to get their perspective. I thought tonight our conversation with Lindsey Van Zant was telling. You know, we watch this again through the lens of a, of a fan standpoint or we watch it through the lens of like whatever content creator like myself. And we don't we don't we don't live it. We don't we don't feel it the way Glover Teixeira felt. You know. Last night or the way that Jamal Hill even I mean, Jamal Hill had a. A lot of swelling in his face. He still went five rounds with the guy. So yeah, there it's it's different from their standpoint. I think you know as much as the more we can humanize the sport and recognize them as individuals who go through this you know very tough tough experience. I think uh, I think our appreciation for what they do, them as people, will grow. And then the con the, the concept of something beyond. They're fighting. You know, I, I think that conversation needs to be considered because if what Francis is saying that we just simply need to have more, you know, health, let's say, for example, health insurance would seem like something that they can possibly work out because the current terms of the agreement are they're a freelance independent contractor, in essence, that's being contracted to, to fight an event. And so their contracts like, all right, you're going to work this event. At this rate, you're not like a nine to five employee. We don't send you a salary every two weeks. Like your independent contractor, 1099, they call it, right, for tax purposes. So then lies all the wiggle room in the world for the UFC to be like, well, they're not really under our contract, or they're not, they're not, they're not really a full time employee. They're not even a part time employee. We just hire them to work these events. And so the, the fighters are like, listen, dude, I, I could use health insurance throughout the course of, you know, my day-to-day when I'm training, I get injured, whatever the case may be, because I'm training for fights, right? Um, hell, even if the even if they hurt themselves, whatever, cutting their cutting down some tree branches in their backyard. Like when you work a job, you have health insurance, you know, you get your job, health insurance, whatever. You, you, you know the drift, right? But for fighters, it's like if they don't get injured in the cage, then it's not covered. And that that's the whole thing with Derek Minner or Minor. That whole scandal that broke out with James Krause. Let me talk about this for a second. You may know this already. I just want to make sure I'm clear on this point. If you are injured in the octagon in a fight situation, that's covered by the UFC. So that would mean like rehab, surgery, whatever pertains to that injury. Which of course brings up the concept. If you were to sustain head trauma from prolonged exposure to head you know strikes in the octagon while fighting under the UFC shouldn't that fall under 
health coverage because you sustain those injuries in essence during the cage fight. Separate discussion. But under the current parameters of the UFC, they operate with these independent contractors and say, if you get hurt on the job while you're doing the job, recovering that. Okay. If you get hurt in preparation for the job, not covering it. If you get hurt any place else outside that cage, we're not covering that injury or injuries or rehab, not under our our, 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 uh, our spectrum. So what we end up having is scenarios where it's not just one story or two story or three stories. It's, there's plenty of stories where fighters and or coaches have said, yeah, this fighter knowingly went in there with an injury in hopes that you know, could disguise the injury long enough, fight the fight, then say, hey, I got hurt in the octagon. I, I need to get this, this treatment for this injury because prior to that, they had no other means to get the injury repaired. No health insurance. Financial means weren't there. I mean, the pay that they're getting is crazy. I, I, the story this week of Demetrius Johnson, I was unaware of this. And I will do everything I can to get him on the show. But Demetrius Johnson was was being paid 30 and 30 for like title fights. Like the last of his title defenses in the UFC, he was getting like 30 show money and 30 for, for the win, like 60 G's. And I was like, wow, I was floored to hear this. I was shocked. Um, but it gives you, and uh, granted, he was fighting a few years ago, not too long ago, but he was, you know, around the Brock Lesnar time period since Dana brought that as a measuring stick, you know, the highest paid heavyweight. But yeah, for Demetrius Johnson, who's now over, over in the far East, over in Ryzen or no one championships, my bad. You know, he's making good money. He enjoys it. They seem to love him. He's the current champion. He gets to do like an array of different things. I saw him fight last year and a mixed it's, it's truly a mixed martial arts bout where like round one is kickboxing, round two is Muay, whatever. Round two is um, mixed martial arts and then round three is like just boxing, whatever. Like they have different rules for every round. It's kind of circusy, but then again, it's pretty dope. And it shows you the, the various disciplines of each fighter. And so he's, you know, he's having a great time getting paid good money. But he mentioned like the sort of the exit out of the UFC and what that entailed. And uh, it's just shocking to hear that the guy who was the title holder was making that kind of money at the end. And a matter of fact, it was brought up in a, in a press conference with Dana. Somebody asked him about Cyril Ghosn's contract. Was Cyril Ghosn's contract reconstructed or was he renegotiated for his upcoming match in March versus John Jones? Because the discussion had been about the contract for Ghan, for, for Ngannou getting this new offer, $8 million maybe just to fight that fight, big time money. And when this was brought up to Dana, he responded real clearly. He wasn't being a smart ass, but he was like, you know, hey, that's that that contract's been negotiated. He's under contract, meaning gone. And that's where you have to wonder because he wouldn't tell you like Dana wouldn't say like, well, we're paying him this much under his contract. That's what he's getting. And we can't renegotiate that. Well, we can, but we're not going to renegotiate it because he's under contract. Um, so when they have a fight under contract, that's where Ngannou was sort of suggesting like, listen, now I'm like, my hands are tied. This eight fight deal that they talk of sounds so, so good, but am I really going to maximize my money coming in when they have me under these terms, terms of which are not maybe favorable to the athlete. Right. So let's say gone under his current contract, it's going to be paid 
I don't know, a half a million dollars maybe for that fight with John Jones. If he's being paid a half a million dollars for that fight, that is still a lot of fucking money. I'm not saying it's a lot of money. That's, you know, plenty of money for, for one person. But, but, but if they were going to pay $8 million to Naganu for just that fight, there's a seven and a half million dollar discrepancy. Do you see what I'm saying? So if Gone right now currently is under contract for, let's say, four more fights, five more fights, whatever his contract is, and he seems to be a company man, and Gone is making, let's say, you know, about that much money per fight, the UFC is getting a bargain. They're getting a bargain right here. They get a fighter who is going to fight a big time championship fight for, you know, for peanuts compared to what they're going to make, right? Now, John Jones, who just signed an eight-fight deal, right? I don't know what's in his contract because, again, UFC doesn't really make this stuff available to us. Like You have to, like, dig for it. And then the numbers are never, like, concrete. It's like, well, it's going to be in this range and then pay-per-view and then, you know. But John Jones just signed this eight-fight deal. I would guesstimate he's being paid more for this fight than gone, right? Because it's a brand-new contract. UFC has just turned an entirely new leaf here with this. They went from like being, I don't know if you guys recall, you go back a year and a half, two years ago, the UFC's posture on John Jones was like, you know, domestic violence, you know, he's got issues. I think you could you could pull up a bunch of quotes from Dana where he's basically throwing shade at John Jones. And for some of it was justified. But I say this because now <laughs> it's like he 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 if you live in a press conference from Dana the other day, he was like smiling ear to ear about John Jones. Like people asked him if he talked to him and, and his thing was like, Oh, I saw him on, you know, a video chat, whatever. It was great. And like, yeah, I, I, I it's, it's clever of the UFC to be like, Oh, out with one back in with the other. And yeah, the relationship between John Jones and the UFC is, has been rocky. But now he's in need. They're bringing him back in the fold. Do not be surprised if that relationship gets rocky again. That eight fight deal doesn't actually all finish out, right? But for John Jones, hasn't fought in like a few years, you know. Here comes his return against Gone. But the, the money's the conversation. We we knew eight million was the offer. In essence, that was the ballpark. I think Ngannou confirmed that, and I believe the UFC stated that. Dana did. Eamon Dawes was the offer for him to fight that one fight. Pretty sure that's more than what Gon's going to make and may even be more than what John Jones is going to make. And that's partially because UFC wanted to keep Gon in the fold and make money, whatever, done that big attraction. So it just brings up the whole conversation again about this pay scale and how up and down it is and how uneven it is. But if you're a big time fighter like Gon and these other fighters, you know, get your money while you can. And the UFC's language or response to healthcare to them is like, listen, you can afford healthcare, dude. We're paying you millions of dollars. Um, and Francis pushed back and said, well, you know, I used to be uh, a fighter with no health insurance. I used to be one of those you know, fighters who were getting paid a small amount of money, and he was worried about that. So, yeah, that's the Ninganu, I guess, saga, fallout. I mean, what, what, what other words can you use to describe that? It hasn't been trending on social media. It seems like most UFC fans are like, you know, c'est la vie. <laughs> you know, the opposite of bonjour. So 
they're just like, hey, Francis, you can go. We, we do not need you. If you're Ngannou, I, 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 man, balls, right? Bojones. I don't know if it's the right move. I will openly say I do not know if it's the right move. It it smells like it's got like a Colin Kaepernick feel to it, which it, it's not about. Obviously, this is not about any social related issues, but the tie-in is that he's concerned about the, the representation of his brethren, his fighters, and their recognition more as professionals and getting they're not rights, but access to certain things he considers to be par for the course for what other sports offer right so we you see the parallel there if if he's taking this leap now off this ledge it's like dude don't get injured number one don't get injured right now like make sure whatever next event it is like oh big time money you know maybe 40 million dollars for a huge boxing match, Wembley Stadium, you know, him and Tyson Fury or something in a year from now. Do a bunch of boxing training. You got enough money to, you know, survive the next year, get it all together and do a big pay-per-view, mega deal, huge stadium situation, King Kong versus Tyson Fury. You know, we'll share the pay-per-view, just make a killing, right? And that way, even if you just fall flat and it doesn't go well, like it's almost worth it. As opposed to fighting out a deal with the UFC where you're going to like string your long play games, pay you six million here, seven million there, and spread it out. You can just make one whammy. Floyd Mayweather Town night. If he does that, you know, he'll be okay. My concern, my concern, two concerns here. That fight doesn't happen. What if the market somehow doesn't shape up for this mega $40 million payday for him? And it's instead like a whatever, $10, 12000000 million payday. Then he's going to be like, well, shit, the UFC's going to pay me more than that. I ended up now making less. That that would be trouble. Right? What if it's less? Oh, these going to be less. What if it's less? And then what if it's in that range of that $15 million or so instead of that $40 million, and he comes out there and for some way, shape, or form doesn't look as good as people thought. The boxing's not as exciting as people expected. Um... Didn't we watch the legendary Brazilian fighter recently fight Jake Paul? Oh my gosh, how can this name be? Anderson Silva. Watching Anderson Silva box Jake Paul, I could wholeheartedly tell you, was not as exciting as watching Anderson Silva when he was doing mixed martial arts and fighting in the UFC. It simply was not. People would say, well, he's older. Yeah, yeah. And it's just not exciting to watch Anderson Silva box. Could watching Ningano box have the same sort of lasting taste in your mouth like you know, I like when he's crushing someone on the ground and like beating them unconscious with full thuggery or now the padded gloves are on now, now he can't connect with as much initial force when his hand lands on somebody because he's got a gigantic pillow on his, on his fist just saying dude this boxing thing can end up going a lot of different ways now the root word in the street is that bellator wants to sign him bellator is in the market right well that's all fine and dandy but last i checked is bellator capable of paying the kind of money that ufc is i don't think that they are we could compare some contracts we could even argue that maybe the top 
15 to top seven guy, like the top 15 guy to top seven guy. Maybe he makes a little bit more in Bellator than he does over in the UFC, but you can only speculate. But you know the, the number one guys in the UFC are making more than Bellator. So does Nganu sign with Bellator and actually make more money? Again, hard to conceive that that would be the case. PFL, that would actually be completely outside the spectrum unless he just wants to go there for some personal reason. The story of his mother being photographed or videos with a, a shirt on that had the PFL logo on it and stuff. That was kind of an interesting story. But if he went to the PFL, here's the here here would be the dynamics there, right? I'm just gonna just break it down for you. It wouldn't be for the regular season to earn the million dollar prize because once again, this would be like a gigantic pay cut. Make almost no sense, right? It would be to fight in the pay-per-view matchups. There's gonna be two of them this year, according to Jake Paul's new announcement, two pay-per-view matchups in 2023, where the fighters will be making half the revenue. Half. 50%. Is all this tying back into that? I'll tell you what. Ninganu ends up in the PFL. That shirt his mom was wearing with the PFL logo that he's already said on interviews was just a happen to be coincidence. Has nothing to do with nothing. Some things that are coincidences are not just coincidences. His, his mother lives in Africa. Usually when his mother is on camera, she's wearing things of of African sort of heritage, you know, just sort of the apparel of someone who was from that part of the world. Not like she's out there wearing a, a jungle outfit. I'm just saying, just the sort of, you know, her, her dress pattern, right? She had a PFL white t-shirt on, big ass PFL logo, and that was being filmed recently while she's next to home doing some kind of family activity, right? Well, it would be intelligent of a guy who's sort of pushing up against the UFC to partner with a guy like Jake Paul, get a huge payday in even just one or two fights, you know, gets half the revenue, the main event. That would seem like a really likely plan. And then also sign a contract with them that gives them the freedom to still have a boxing match. Look, maybe it all happens under Jake Paul's promotion. I mean, if you're in Ghana, what would there be to lose there? You'd be in the driver's seat. You'd be basically partnering up with Jake Paul. So stay tuned for that. Let's not be surprised to see Ngannou end up with the PFL on those pay-per-view, pay-per-view cards this year. Then maybe even somehow working with Jake Paul to line up the boxing stuff. It just it makes perfect sense, you know. Outside of that. What's Ningano going to do? A one-off with, with Tyson Fury, um, sign with some type of promotion to do a one to two fight deal. I'm going to say it right now, I don't think Ningano Boxing, excuse me, I don't think Ningano Boxing is a big attraction. It might be for one fight, for, you know, for, for one spectacle. <clears throat> the best person that, you know, Recycling that was Floyd Mayweather, right? You just people will just buy his fights again and again and say, like, "Why are we buying these damn terrible fights?" Right? Ninganu, the first fight, everyone's gonna buy it, man. Ninganu, Ninganu, boxing, whatever. Then one dud of a fight is gonna sort of set the things in motion. I think of, of boxing being do it a few times, you know, do a few fights, whatever. But I don't think it's gonna be genuinely like where the money's to be made for him. I think he's got to get himself back in the cage. The Bellator is 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 not realistic, even though the owner, or, or I'm sorry, not the owner, but the president over there, Scott 
Cooper has said that they'll make a run at, at, at Nagano. She's not realistic. I don't see it happening. They didn't have money for that unless they did like some kind of revenue share, right? Let me ask you this too. Does Nagano go to the new promotion and say, hey man, I told Dana I, I want healthcare for all fighters. I need that here too. Bellator do that? Can PFL promise that? Because in that moment, if Ninganu signs with PFL or Bellator or someone else, you play right, and they're not they're not giving him that that part of the deal, then is he being a hypocrite? And was it really about the health insurance Ninganu? I'm just saying, I'm not trying to speculate he's lying, but if Ninganu were to sign with another promotion and they don't give health care to all the athletes that he's on that promotion with, then that really wasn't a sticking point with the UFC. I've long speculated that I think Nagano also, him and Dana just had a falling out and it just wasn't one they could recover from. And so it became a bit personal. You know, he won that belt a while back, right? Nagano and Dana wasn't there. Dana didn't put it on. Dana wasn't at this press conference. There's, there's definitely some, you know, there's definitely some tension between those two. Is what it is, right? As the saying go, as the saying goes, you know, uh, things come and things go. And in this situation here, he moves on to fight another day, another promotion. I hope, as I first started this conversation out with, I hope he doesn't end up a martyr of some kind and lose a bunch of money and find himself on the outside looking in, injury, whatever. He has been injured. He is still recovering from injury. By the way, foul violation on Dana telling people that he's like 300 pounds. Even if he was 300 pounds, dude, a gigantic man. He'd be fine if he was 300 pounds. What are you talking about? So yeah, Dana, Dana definitely threw a few little like low little, little, little undercut jabs. Don't let the door hit you in the, in the ass way out type of commentary. So the Smack League has, has been launched. Have you seen it? Dare you admit that you've watched people smacking each other? I'll tell you what, on social media, it's hot. Meaning like there's like a divide. We're a very divided society, right? America is one of the most divided places in the world. United States of America. United we stand and we divided we fall, right? If we fall on topics on the internet, we get into it and we find our side and we are on it, right? The lines have been drawn, ladies and gentlemen. The true, authentic, genuine, however word you want to describe it, the, the realists, the real ones, the ones that are the real MMA fans, right? <laughs> they're looking at this whole situation of slap league and they're offended. They're offended. They're saying, wait a second here. What kind of nonsense tomfoolery is this? And how dare we call this a sport? Smacking people around, blah, 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 blah. So, the, the genuine mixed martial arts fan, the real one, the one who's been here, you know, who's proud of their fan, fandom, 
is look at the slap we like how dare how dare dana get involved with this like what is this nonsense so that's one side of the fence and that that side is strong you know they might even sign a petition if you put a petition out to end that show they would they would jump on board that's the same side that also loves dana so i think they're probably torn we love you dana but it's like no to the slap week and the other contingent out there is it's it's entertaining as f entertaining as fuck it's it's kind of wild people are smacking the shit at each other you know so there's that contingent and that one is i think that's where i sit i'm like whatever man tv has weird shit remember that show i think joe rogan was the commentator um uh fear factor and they had they were eating some vile stuff i mean that that show was just and then also doing some things snakes reality tv is a reflection of the worst of you know people's creativity it really can be the kardashians have been built an empire on just their reality shit so reality tv can really bring out the worst of humanity um so yeah i guess if you look at it from that perspective right you know man that's wild it's wild it's wild but in any case kind of lost my, my my train of thought there lost my train of thought a lot of you but it is um you know reality tv it's being shaped in that manner you have to give it a give it a second glance you know what i mean i i think with the pfl sorry with the slap league being launched and dana being like so tied in that makes it immediately like, well, UFC fans will immediately tune in. They they are tuning in. Now they're weighing in, like, oh, you know, the slap league, kind of not really a sport. I'm with the populace of like, fuck it. It's kind of funny looking, it's popular, whatever. Maybe it'll be around for a little bit, maybe it won't. And then there's another contingent, a small sliver of the pie that's like, listen, that's just not good for your brain. You can't defend yourself, your hands are behind your back. And I heard their I heard their side. It's kind of interesting. It's definitely dangerous for your brain. People are getting like concussed. It's faces are getting. One guy had this face like all oh, swollen, dude. Was, I never knew that could happen from smack. So swollen, a little bit of blood, chalk on his face because you know they chalk up like a gymnast. They chalk up, they smack on each other, and um, and shit. I mean, people are going down. They're getting you know knocked down. They're getting concussed, and so there's that medical contingent. They're like, listen, you're not defending yourself. You don't have your hands up, whatever. This was commissioned or sanctioned by the Nevada Athletic Commission, though. So we're good. <laughs> Listen, you you toss enough money around, and you get you know Dana's Dana's a plug. You know, Nevada Athletic Commission they love Dana. I mean, think about this: is MMA where it's at? Is the UFC anywhere where it's at without Dana and the his crew pushing forward this agenda to, to grow the sport? I mean, I'm neutral when it comes to Dana White because I'm trying to be neutral here on all these different personalities. You know, I'm not judging him for whatever stuff may have happened in his personal life recently. I'm not. I mean, I haven't really even touched that subject because I feel like it's just too sensitive to touch it. But when it comes to like the sport itself, fact is, this guy has been a pioneer in growing the sport. Uh, game recognizes game, as they say, the Nevada State Athletic Gaming Commission. 
they they have to be to somewhat uh, an ally of him and vice versa right so if he wants to have his his name associated with a smacking league <laughs> and wants it to be uh, you know authorized by the Nevada State Athletic Commission then it shall be done you know look Dana White if he was not fully removed from his position of power or at least removed for a period of time over what happened with his wife and him. Like if that didn't happen then, it ain't ever gonna happen. At least not until he steps down. You know, so any any scenarios of thinking about the UFC without Dana White is just not in the cards anytime soon. Though I thought it was funny that when he was asked some questions about being punished or like what punishment he should serve, or like he should maybe take some time to step down. He didn't answer that question. He instead said, "Like, if I wanted to leave, I could have left a long time ago. I could have, I could have stepped down in 2016 when they sold the company. Uh, you know, COVID, right? COVID. I could have, you know, I could have, you know, stood, stood back. <laughs> Wasn't the question, dude. They were asking you, you know, do you think maybe you should step down for a period of time to like serve some type of I don't know self-induced punishment or company, 30 days, 60 days for for your." your personal actions that were caught on video <laughs> smacking around your wife do you think that my man said i could have left it on 16 like that totally different thing that's because the company was sold and you maybe wanted to cash out and like and then COVID, like what <laughs> data wise the kind of dude where if you you ask him questions he is well versed in like the political speak of how to like take a question reverse gears on it answer it and then there's the reality that the reporters like they want to ask certain questions of him but they all know there's they're, they're towing the fine line if they ask him too much of a question that's not in the wheelhouse of what he told them that he's allowed to be asked then they're going to be like that movie the dictator with uh, sasha baron cohen it's going to be aladdin that reporter's out of here pulls media credentials so any case god bless dana god bless mixed martial arts you know we love him may around here he is a pioneer but uh my man took a bunch of questions the last few weeks and took the questions <laughs> reversed them shifted gears gave a different answer and you could tell when some of the reporters were like doing their follow-up question they had like a moment of pause like um okay well and then they would ask the next part of the question because they were like confused as to what he just did or what he tried to do but yeah my man's you know dana white may be high school educated and he, you know he wasn't born last night the dude's been around the block if you're not aware there's a guy who has a youtube channel patrick guaval i should know his last name right now patrick guaval starts with a g if you just search him up on youtube does amazing high quality video breakdown not breakdown video production of like you know for athlete stuff current news about athletes and stuff like just really in-depth kind of a documentary worthy put it that way and he's done some amazing stuff he just did one on Glover Teixeira again the name is Patrick Gavaria with that he's on YouTube it's great it's like almost like Netflix type of worthy 30 minutes like mini documentary some stuff on Islam Makachev, Khabib, and whatever else. And so we talked about that last week. Khabib Nurmagomedov walking away from 
all aspects of mixed martial arts except for maybe doing some training back home in Pakistan where fighters can come there and visit him and train with him. Other than that, he's out the game. He's hung it up. Aladdin. That will be interesting to see if he returns. Talk about a fighter who walked away from money. We were just talking about Ninganu walking away from whatever he walked away from. At least $8 million to fight John Jones, right? How about Khabib Nurmagomedov was offered $100 million to fight Conor again? Incredible. Or not just Conor, I'm sorry. That was just to fight again, right? That was just to fight again. And when I when we hear that number, jeez, dude, $100 million? I mean, obviously Khabib has done well and, and even... Dana had mentioned before he's done very well. You know, when his dad passed, he kind of wanted to transition in life and you know, whatever. He's got family, got kids, wants to spend time with his family. But a hundred million dollars? <sighs> that is a lot of money to walk away from for one fight. And it gives you an idea. Like you see this this in there therein lies the difficulty of understanding the pay scale for MMA athletes in the UFC. When you hear of numbers like that, like, wait a second, you got fighters right now still fighting, like, for $10,000, $15,000, $20,000, you know, to show, and, like, $10,000, $15,000, they win the fight. Yeah, that's happening right now in the UFC. One thing I, I, I'm not sure of, I'm going to try to find out, is what are the fighters being paid on, like, Contender Series? And I, I think Contender Series, like, I could be wrong, I could be wrong. I think it's somewhere in the range of like oh, like $2,500 per show. Like another $2,500 if you win. Now, granted, that's like a show, reality show. It's still a fight. You still have to get trainers and whatever. Um, but $100 million for one fight for one guy. And then you got other athletes in the same promotion. Let me draw a comparison. You're working at Best Buy or Walmart and you work on the cashier. What you do you're ringing people out you know or heck maybe you work in the, in the audio department you're a salesperson and in the same damn store you're doing the same type of job but one person's being paid like forty dollars an hour and you're being paid like fifteen dollars an hour this is what we're talking about here like there's a gigantic discrepancy people are doing a similar job but the pay scale is wildly different now, this would bring up a good example of like the NFL. Okay, okay, so some athletes in the NFL make a lot more money than the other athletes in the NBA and so on and so on. Every sport has that dynamic. We get that. We get that. But damn, mixed martial arts has to be the biggest disparity, right? They've got people on the top of the spectrum making so much money. And then you've got athletes, you know, what's her name? Cheyenne Vlismus, who... Um, probably wears her emotions on her sleeve too much, but has been openly like, I mean, when she won a fight of the night, there was like, you know, a press conference and some backstage camera you know, on her when she got the news. She, she didn't just break down emotionally from the excitement of winning this $50,000 you know, prize or earning just the respect of being fight of the night, whatever, right? She literally went to the press conference and discussed how, like, she like has no money, broke, like, broke, living like almost out of my car. This is like saving me. Um, uh, to say that she was relieved would be an understatement, 
Okay, she was like hanging by her last thread, and then her fiance at the time, or slash fiance slash husband, who now she's been divorced from, was also a fighter in the UFC as well. I remember this story and thinking to myself, like, what a rough portrayal of what their employees are living like in the UFC. Employees meaning like not the people that are doing the books, but the ones who are fighting in the cage. I mean, I know it's not the same sport, but like, imagine like you know an NFL player. You know, like two two dudes who are like in the NFL playing, like two two teammates on like the Denver Broncos. So two teammates, they live together like in a house, like you're sharing a house together because you know they're trying to save some money. And like after a game, <laughs> they're like, "Man, I'm so glad we won that game because I'm gonna get like you know a, a few thousand dollar bonus." And like right now, we're 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 going we're going week to week, me and my buddy here. Like you know, we can barely afford to where we're living at. That's exactly the parallel. So. When you have fighters in that dynamic who are going to press conferences and basically acknowledging I am living day to day, I'm having a hard time financially, this money is like going to save me. And then we got fighters turning down $8 million for one fight like Nagano is doing or $100 million by Khabib or people like Conor have made what they've made. I'm not mad at the ones that are making a bunch of money. But can the UFC find a way maybe to funnel some more money down to the lower levels because it feels like the pay disparity is ginormous and to a point where I mean wouldn't it be better off in the long run if they could find a better funding mechanism for the lower level fighters because wouldn't that breed more talent they need more fighters anyway right I feel like the UFC is out there looking for more talent but at the same time they're preying on people's weaknesses or their lack of opportunities like it's your opportunity to make it if you if you if you come here, give you a few bucks, you know, selling them the dream, you become a champion one day, maybe make a bunch of money. In the, in the medium term, you're going to be living like a college student. You're going to be struggling, fight to fight for the first few years. If you make it out of that, then maybe have a chance. I feel like that strategy has its benefits for the UFC to save money in the, in the near term. But man, wouldn't it be better to invest a little bit more money in this talent? Who's the kid from Penn State, Bo? Remember the kid Bo who fought this past fall in the Penner Series? UFC's all about him, and Dana liked him, they promote him and stuff like that. He's probably got a contract that's pretty good. It would be nice if, if the UFC can get behind more young talent that way because the, the early days are tough, man. They're tough. These fighters don't have a ton of support. They're dealing with management fee, which could be minor at that point, but still a management fee, a training fee. A coach's commission of some kind, an agent, you know, taxes. It's just, man, dude, you got to love the game. You really got to love the game to, to do it as long as some of these people do it. I'll tell you. And Saturday night, watching Brazil and watching retire Mauricio Rua, and then watching Sherry retire, watching Figueredo decide to move up the weight class. Lauren Murphy's no spring chicken, and, and maybe she could have retired in that moment. She took a beating. We had Lindsay Van Zandt earlier on the show tonight, and she's been dealing with uh, reoccurring head injuries. A uncharted territory for much of the sports world until, what, 15 years ago, 10 years ago? 
head injuries were just like, you got a dinger. Bang my head, I'm good. Now we're just finding out so much more that's related to the brain injuries and how they operate. But when Lindsay came through tonight and talked to us, if you weren't here for that part of the show, you can rewind, catch it later. It'll be available on YouTube, the recorded version, and also on our podcast. But Lindsay talked about the reoccurring concussions she's having, that she got concussions just doing jiu-jitsu, rolling on the mat, um, you know, banging her head on somebody's arm or knee, or and now she has a proclivity to getting concussions very easily based upon what her doctors have told her. And her last two fights in mixed martial arts in Invicta, you know, she suffered knockouts. The last one was like a first-round knockout. We talked to her after that fight and that she was still suffering symptoms and trying to go through a protocol to get herself back to fighting that she would take some time off. And then tonight she told us with all the time that she's taken off and even with doing just some grappling, she now has had to stop all of it, um, grappling included, because she sustained concussions and even just grappling. And now she's at a point where more than likely will not look to possibly fight again, considering some kind of stem cell treatment to possibly help her long-term and then maybe consider getting back to fighting. And she's a very talented fighter, so it's a shame. But see, she's dealing with this head on and she's addressing the issue. And I think like like typical female fashion, I like men. Men are like, I, I, I push through. Nothing here hurts me. Um, she's addressing it head on, getting the right, you know, treatment, getting the right advice and making the changes in her life so that she has a better quality of life long term. I don't know how many athletes are doing that, but she's doing that. Um, we saw the, the quarterback for the Dolphins, Tua Tagliavoa. Tagliavoa. Oh my gosh, that last name kills me. Anyway, Tua, the quarterback for the Dolphins, sustained some head injuries this year. And it was definitely a little mismanagement. Back in, not back in. But next thing you know, he's not playing at all the last few games of the year. And the word in the street is, is that he's suffering symptoms from the concussion. Still, there's a likelihood who would never play football again. Like, that shit's real right now. In the case of Lindsay Von Zandt, who talked to us tonight, she may never fight again. Uh, she also felt like that Lauren Murphy fight, you know, like that fight probably should have been stopped. And for all those who had Jessica Andrade inside the distance, that was a tough fight to watch and not feel like, hey, dude, plenty of opportunities there to stop that fight. Lauren Murphy had no opportunity to win after a certain point. You know, at a certain point, she was just taking repeated damage, and she's got too much pride to stop. Her corner has too much pride to throw the towel in. The referee is there not just to stop the fight when someone's knocked out, but also there to protect the fighter sometimes against themselves, and the corner included, because, you know, corners are they're in there too. They're trying to compete, basically. They're all they're riled up. Got a chance, you know? But how much head trauma did Lauren Murphy take on Saturday night? I'm not trying to poo-poo that stuff. I'm not trying to make this into like a death march against the UFC or mixed martial arts. No, no. I'm always a fan first and foremost. Love the sport. Just wonder in this topic we're talking about, are our fighters handling it the way that Lindsey Von Zant is handling it? Are they being you know attentive to like their mental health are they having concussion symptoms are they ignoring those symptoms you know those type of things are you know 
Long term, forget about it. We don't know yet. This is like generation 2.0 of mixed martial arts fighters. We don't know how this will look eventually in the next 15, 20 years. How will the interviews be with some of these guys? There's been some interviews with some former fighters that, you know, people like the Chuck Liddell's and stuff like that, where, you know, some of their behavior or language or pronunciation, um, you know, raises questions. You know, then you got Nate Diaz, who's been talking like that since before he even got into the UFC. He's like slurring. And, um, how will this look? You know, what will, what will it be like in 20 years when we bring back some of these fighters to celebrate them? Will they be shaking like Muhammad Ali because Muhammad Ali, for as great as he was, simply took way too many hits to the head during a time in our history where concussions were not even like people were concussed. What? It wouldn't even been a what? What is that? Your head hurts you? Well, you're fine. It's your head. You're moving forward. 12 round boxing matches where he was taking the biggest punches from the biggest people in the world and just. Yeah, he, 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 he contracted Parkinson's disease towards the end of his life and lived like a vegetable and had the shakes. Um, yeah, is that what we're going to see some of these fighters looking like? God bless Lever Teixeira. That guy's been through. <laughs> My man immigrated from Brazil. Let me tell you this story real quick because when I heard the story about Lever Teixeira, I found myself. They should make a movie about it. Him and Ngannou have a similar story. If you don't know, Glover Teixeira immigrated from Brazil. He didn't just like fly over here in a plane. And you're thinking, oh, like, oh it's Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, fly over here to the United States and whatever. No, no. He immigrated illegally and he flew from like Sao Paulo, Brazil, like all the way down the southern part of Brazil. Brazil is huge, by the way. All the way over to like Bogota, Colombia, right? Took a took a flight. Spent like eight, nine thousand dollars in total on this trip here to make this happen. But then from there, it takes us like a bunch of buses and whatever buses, trains, caravans to make his way up through that whole Latin America, Panama, you know, Nicaragua, that whole channel of little countries all stacked up there where South America connects to North America, in essence, all the way up through Mexico. And then all the way up across Mexico to like San Diego, the border of the tip of California. That's where this dude comes up through. And it takes him like a month and a half, almost two months to make this journey. Not quite as long as Ngannou's journey time-wise. He gets kidnapped at some point. Him and like 12 other people get kidnapped and are held in a house for like two weeks. Gunpoint type of shit. Um, Caravans. You've heard the term caravans, right? The, the, the immigrants are coming. This was popular during the Donald Trump administration. They would show images of these caravans of people, right? Who would be walking. And, you know, they're just thousands and thousands of immigrants that are be walking on a road. And this dude, Glover Teixeira, was in those caravans. He was just walking with, like, Sometimes 15,000 people just walking on roads together for 10 hours a day and then sleeping in just outside conditions overnight together, huddled together and traveling like a traveling mob, looking to get to the border, looking to immigrate to Mexico, to the United States. We put it on CNN in our country and show this and we're like, holy shit, look at this. Look at this going on here in Nicaragua or like Central America. <laughs> They're trying to get up here, man. They're just trying to get to the freedom. 
I, you know, I don't get all political here, but there were certain candidates and certain people during recent presidential elections who referred to certain parts of immigration as, as you know, bad for our country or people that would be, you know, thieves and criminals. Glover Teixeira, like Ngannou, had to make a hell of a voyage to try to find his way to freedom. And Glover Teixeira's got the key to the city in Danbury, Connecticut. The mayor has a business there, taxpaying uh, American now citizen, believe it or not former UFC champion, a great guy. He had to go through hell to get here. Anyway, when he gets through to California, he eventually then flies and makes his way over to, to Danbury, Connecticut, of all places, and settles there. And My man starts cutting grass. See, he, he comes up here with a work ethic. He decides, I'm going to get in landscaping. He's making $7 an hour. And he's like, I felt like the richest man in the world. He said, I was great. Happy. I made it. I'm here. And then it was after he got that job and after he got himself some income he decided he wanted to start doing some mixed martial arts training from you know, seeing some videos of ufc whatever else met his future wife and from there it just got even tougher man started fighting started winning ufc wanted him but he was illegal he got denied was then you know sent back to brazil and shit and had to deal with all that and you know several appeals later was denied his you know his wife is writing letters to congress and all these different things Eventually, get this, you know, finally get this green card and finally moves to the United States, get citizenship, the whole deal. But it put on hold the prime years of his career where he should have been fighting the UFC. He was battling immigration issues and went through a lot. Um, there's a nice little documentary about that on, on Patrick, uh, Patrick Oval. I think his name wrong. I'll put a link to his YouTube channel down below in our, in our YouTube description here. But that guy makes tremendous videos and he did a video there about Glover to share where it goes over his background and his life and some of the trauma that he's been through he's been through a lot and seeing how things ended for him on Saturday night I mean he's a warrior so I could say he deserves to go out on his shield the way he did but took some years off his life if, if you really want to be honest with me some serious damage and I just hope uh, hope all's well with him moving forward he got a business in Connecticut called to share MMA and one of his pupils is Alex Herrera current UFC champion I thought if Lover were to win right how dope would that be a small little gym in Danbury Connecticut that he founded and he would be up in that mofo as the champion along with Alex Herrera I thought that'd be kind of cool but nope Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill Ooh, oof, man, if you don't know, now you know he is. He's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. Because even if like he were to lose the title, he's he's gonna get it back. He'll be in the mix. He's so resilient. He's been through so much. The guys from Grand Rapids, Michigan, you know, comes from humble beginnings. Didn't have a lot growing up. Talented as athlete, by the way, had scholarship offers to colleges for basketball. He's a very good basketball player. If you see any videos of him online shooting, the dude can shoot very tall he's a big dude he's a big big athlete but um yeah jamal hill unfortunately uh stepped in the in the way there of of, of the perfect scenario or maybe ending for glover because if glover wins does he maybe still say i'm gonna retire right does he does he do that um so yeah not a storybook ending for glover to share but nonetheless uh, a career that was worthy of 
you know, just worthy of a, of a lot of accomplishments. And and again, his 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 trek to the United States, his trek to become an American. Yeah, not uh, not easy by any means. Unfortunately, I have held out here for just about as long as possible for our last guest, but it looks like he's not going to really join us. We will try to get him on next week. A rough night for our guests, right? We had two wonderful guests come through, but unfortunately, Sadabusi couldn't join us due to technical difficulties. And then our last guest looks like things may have interrupted his schedule. So thank you guys for joining us. I want to give, a, again, a quick shout-out to our broadcast partners, Blood Money MMA, Johnny K. Picks, uh, Capric Comparison Picks, Neverhedge Media, Eric Betts Fights. Today's show was brought to you by FightTube. Are you tired of scouring the web for fighter film? Don't want to pay the extra subscription fees to watch old fights? Well, FightTube is on the job. FightTube is creating a comprehensive and easy-to-use film library that can be accessed from a traditional computer or mobile device. FightTube's beta version is set to launch this spring. FightTube.org, the MMA video library. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us. Uh, for Hattrick and Hype3MMA, who came through and dropped some comments, thank you. Colossium as well. We appreciate you. Uh, tell your friends. We'll be here every Sunday night. That's going to be 12 o'clock midnight on Sunday night, which is pretty much Monday morning, Eastern time. So that's 12 o'clock a.m. Eastern time, Monday morning, Sunday night. That'll be 9 o'clock uh, Pacific time for the West Coasters. But thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Deuces. <laughs>